name is Eloy, and I am old. These days, I'm content to look out at the world from high in the white arch. But when I was younger, I traveled the world and saw many great wonders. And of all the tales I could tell, none is more wonderful than that of Adam, Prince of Moab. Hello and welcome to another episode of the DOS Game Club podcast. This is episode 56 in which we're discussing the game we played in April, which is Lost Eden. Um, It's our second round in the uh, year of the adventure game, I would say. We've played Day of the Tentacle first and this is our second adventure game entry. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, quite quite different, I'd say. <laughs> Entirely different. <laughs> Hardly any similarities, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. But that's what makes it fun. Um, so yeah, I'm Martijn, Martijn on the forums. And of course, I'm not going to talk about this game alone. You already heard him a little bit. It's our regular co-host, Florian. Hey, hey. Hey. So, yeah. Uh, I think this is your doing, isn't it, Florian? Uh, you, you mean who suggested the game? That was me? Yes, it was me. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's, it's kind of exciting to me. I mean, I, I had never really heard of this game. So yeah, it's, uh, it's a good pick, I feel. Yeah, um, well, <laughs> we'll find out <laughs> during the episode if it was a good pick. But <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, definitely. Uh, now, there, there's more people joining. Uh, also, returning from a long time ago, it's Michael again. Hello. Hey. Also known as Moa3000 on the forums. Exactly. Uh, I think you were on the Ultima episode, right? I was on the Ultima 7 episode, yes. Yes. It was quite a while ago. Uh, it was, yes. So I'm happy to be back for, uh, for this game. Exactly. Glad to have you. And also, this is a French game, isn't it? It is. It is uh, from uh, Creo, who was... Uh, uh, one of the biggest developers uh, in France uh, of the era, maybe possibly the biggest. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, it's quite well known here. Hmm. Yeah, and I think it, it's helpful to yes. uh, to have a native French person just yeah here to explain all the <laughs> what's going on. <laughs> oh, I don't have much of an idea. Either. <laughs> what were you thinking? <laughs> explain yourself. <laughs> Well, anyway, welcome and nice that you're back. Thank you. Uh, also returning, actually, we only have returning uh, guests on this episode, but also returning is Esco. Hello, hello, hello. Hey. So you were you were supposed to be on the on the Dave the Tentacle one, right? But yeah, that, uh, that my didn't work car, out. My car broke down and my <sighs> microphone was at work, and uh, <laughs> I didn't want to have bad quality. Yeah. So now, now you're back. All everything sorted. Yeah, sort of. Completely ready for it. Yep. It's much better. (laughs) Yeah, cool. Well, nice to have you back. Also, you are the winner of the Slipspeed contest we ran. Yay, it's on the way somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, but you still haven't received it. Well, have you seen seen proof that Tyne actually shipped it? Yes, I have. Ah. (laughs) (laughs) I've sent uh, like one of those tracking links. So... I, I think it's in your country, so yeah, well, that's something. Well, there was a holiday on Thursday, so that's uh, un- not completely unexpected that things are not going forward. Hmm. Well, I, I hope you'll receive it soon. Monday. Okay, let us know. 
Um, and last but not least, it's returning member John. Hello. Also known as Shattered on the forums. Yeah, that's right. A sender of many a voice message. Yeah, I've, I've done a couple. Um, the Wing Commander episode and uh, the day, day of the Tentacle. I talked a little bit about Maniac Mansion. So, um, yeah, this uh, this has been a long pandemic we've been through. So mm-hmm. I've had plenty of plenty of time <laughs> to create voice messages and play along <laughs> with the club. Yeah. So I'm super happy to be back. That's awesome. And I think you put in quite some effort in some of these voice messages by, by creating a whole musical, what do you call it? Like a, I don't know. <laughs> well, one time you did a quiz, right? Uh, yeah, um, I did a quiz for the Wing Commander uh, where I played a song that was from Wing Commander 2 and from Ultima 7, uh, which is one of my favorite uh, DOS games of all time. But um, yeah, I, I just... Like, I think one of the the biggest draws for me to these DOS games is the music. It's Hmm. just, there's nothing like it. Uh, It's from a bygone era, and it brings back so much nostalgia. So I have a lot of fun kind of recording music and and making it like a fun interactive thing to experience. Yeah. And, And I think you've prepared one for this episode as well. Oh, yeah. So anyone here interested in kind of playing along uh we'll listen to some music and uh answer some questions about about the game awesome i'm i'm really looking forward to this let's see if i remember anything about the game anymore it's been <laughs> and a half almost yeah well I, i'm sure it will all come back to you once you hear the beautiful tunes <laughs> the the flutes once you hear the flute playing <laughs> yes oh, yes All right. Well, let's let's get into it then, right? Let's get into it. What spellbinding music, Adam? Adam's father brooded within the castle's massive walls, unwilling or unable to see that Marcus Rex would never stop until the whole world lay bleeding at his feet. Adam, my son, I asked old monk to send you here. I fear this day of your coming of age will not be the joyous occasion we had planned. This is Eloy, and he brings grave news from the north. Eloy? My lords, the city of Shamar has been attacked and destroyed by the tyrant. The humans there have been slaughtered and taken for food. There are few survivors. Shamar destroyed. It seems Morcus Rex and his tyrann hordes will not rest until the whole world has been turned to blood and ashes. You see the dangers which lie outside our fortress, Adam. 
Its mighty walls are all that stand between us and destruction. You must remain within the Citadel. This is my order. You are my only surviving child, the heir to the throne of Mashar. Your duty is here in the Citadel of Mo with your people. Never forget that your sister and your mother, my beloved Jelana, were murdered not more than one day's march from here. The same fate must not befall you. mentioned it in the intro, Florian, but mm -hmm. I think this game was your suggestion, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was even one of the first, maybe even the first game that I suggested for the club. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I have played it before, but not very much. Um, it's one of those stories where I had a friend who had the game and then we played it for a bit on his computer, but I never really got the time to dive into it. So I just had this this vague memory of it. And um, I, I remember it like like, the feeling of the game, what it felt like to be in this world. And that's all I really remembered. And the name, and I remembered there were dinosaurs. And mm. yeah, that's that's what I could remember. And then I thought, <laughs> why not why not fill in the blanks and find out what the game is actually about? Exactly. Yeah, because I, I think that's if you have to describe this game in one word, it's it's dinosaurs, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the dinosaur game. They were huge in the in the early nineties, oh, especially yeah. after Jurassic Park came out. Certainly, yeah. I mean, my my cousin and I, we had like I don't know hundreds of these little dinosaur figurines, and we were playing with them in the sandbox all the time. So it was it was very cool, cool time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this game fits right into that whole yeah dinosaur fantasy thing. Um, how old were you, more or less? Do you think <sighs> when you? It must have been around when the game came out. So okay. um, I must have been like 10, 11 years old. I don't know. Something like that. I think that's the perfect age for <laughs> this game. It doesn't, it doesn't work better when you're old. <laughs> <laughs> no, it doesn't. But uh, as yeah. we'll discuss later, I think if I actually had the whole game or had had the whole game when I was 10, I think I would have been all over it. So, hmm. so did anyone play this game before? Like before now, before we did it with the club. Yeah, I did. But, okay. Uh, that was quite a while ago. Uh, I mostly played the demo when uh, when it became available on, uh, in game magazines. Uh, and I played the game uh, much later when I found it on uh, on GOG. And I replayed it once time, uh, once for, for this month's episode. Right. So m most of my experience with the game was with a demo before. Mm -hmm. Which I think the demo is already quite impressive, isn't it? It is, I believe, much more impressive than the actual game. But <laughs> um, so they did uh, everything right with the demo, at least. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, I was... Uh, what can I say? Uh, the, the demo ends when you leave, uh, when you leave a citadel. Mm. And uh, I, I think that's the best part of a game, you know. 
yeah. certainly the most adventure-like part of the game. Yes. But it does have all the cool intro cinematic things then, right? Yeah, the, the demo, you know, the, the opening reel of a game and the, the demonstration when Eloy tells the story. I remember it was, uh, it was showcased uh, in many computer stores uh, because this was the beginning of the CD-ROM era. Mm. And uh, and they were basically showing uh, this stuff to to everyone who approached the computer, so so they could best sell, you know, CD-ROM drives, <laughs> sound cards. Yes. And, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's it's the perfect game for that. Really, it's the perfect demo game for in the store. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think if you consider the CD-ROM era, especially this is this is actually even a few years in. This would be the point where the early adopters had already gotten one, and this is where the general availability is like, why should I spend a bit more for a CD-ROM? And it's sort of like, yeah, you see this game, mm-hmm. see how good it looks, see how many features there are. There's more stuff coming like this. You want a CD-ROM, and then it might be sure. Okay, it's only a few, whatever currency it is. In addition, because we we talked about the beginning of the CD-ROM era back in the seventh guest game, and that was released in '92. And I remember a lot of the CD-ROM games from from this era. I do remember playing this. I might have only played the demo, but I remember playing for 10 minutes and then deciding, nope, not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What age was that? Uh, Well, this is probably around release, so I would have been 13, 14. Hmm. Maybe two years too old, maybe. I I think the reason was as I played most of all point-and-click adventure games before. And either I had a verb list or something clear to see what I was doing, and, and somehow the, the interface was felt much better than, than in Lost Eden. Mm. When I first started playing, I got real big Mist vibes. And I think mm. that this came out before Mist. If I, uh, may, maybe, I don't think uh, so. No. Maybe on piece... Um, I guess, I don't know. It'd been a while since I played Mist or forget what platforms it came out originally maybe it came out on on mac earlier but um i was just curious maybe if if you'd played mist already so uh because that has a very similar interface i feel Mm. yeah mist was 1994 on on the pc 93 on the mac but yeah i definitely had played mist before i'd played uh probably by this time i'd played also uh under killing moon of course the seventh guest all kinds of these sort of first-person walk-around games, and and the the interface didn't feel as you know sim- maybe simply polished or or straightforward. Mm. That rotating dice thing—that's the problem I had. <laughs> maybe that really tripped me up, like figuring out how that thing worked. So I, I could definitely see some uh, I don't know frustration with the UI beginning of the game yeah it just takes so long doesn't it for for it to change and show like you, yeah it's this cube right it's this rotating cube and when you move it around it's it's just your cursor really but it changes shape when you hover over something but it takes like i don't know a few seconds i mean maybe a second but even yeah. that is too long for such things it's too long yeah exactly so you, and it's also it's yeah. so weird it's the only 3d object in the whole game <laughs> Hmm. So I wonder if they actually wrote a 3D render or if it's just sprites, but yeah. it's a bit weird, very weird. It's just an animation, isn't it? I don't know. No, 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 no. I, I think it's a 3D engine because uh, huh? the, uh, yes, actually, because they actually, uh, not in Lost Eden, but uh, in their following game, I think, uh, Commander Blood, 
which was basically using the exact same engine, and uh, there is much more 3D effects inside it. Hmm. So I think it's very basic, but uh, it's actual 3D. Wow. Okay. So, so John, um, you hadn't played this game before then, had you? No, I had never even heard of it. Uh, so um, I had no idea what to expect, um, which was very similar to my experience in Gateway. Hmm. So I, I kind of love diving into these uh, sci-fi games with zero expectations and just being surprised along the way. Well, th- this is definitely a game to surprise. <laughs> Maybe surprise yeah. is not the word. <laughs> <laughs> Shock. <laughs> but you say sci-fi, though. I mean, it's... It's, it's not really sci-fi, is it? No, it's, it's... it's ancient history, right? It's... Millions of years ago, I don't know. Fantasy. Is yeah, it- I mean, I guess I I just went to sci-fi because yeah, it's like this um world where like humans and dinosaurs coexist and the dinosaurs can talk. Um so yeah, maybe maybe science fiction isn't the right genre, but it's kind of like in that whole like fan fantastic reality sort of mm. of of thing that that science fiction falls into as well. Yeah, I can see that. And it also has maybe the same sort of epic feeling. Uh, although actually you don't really travel all that far. Well, sort of, I don't know. But yeah, it has a sense of exploration to it. Yeah, it does. I, you know, it was an embarrassing. It took me an embarrassing amount of time to realize that the world map was actually like the Earth. Because mm. um, it's it's like a Cretaceous period earth that you're seeing i don't know if i i don't know if it's called pangea or if it's like Mm. uh, it it looks like kind of like uh the southern parts of like africa and and uh south america are connected um i didn't realize that was actually earth for a long time i thought we were on some alien planet i i didn't realize that this at all (laughs) this is the first time i'm hearing this (laughs) i was actually wondering whether it was the earth or not like there's this this ocean in the middle i thought maybe it's the mediterranean but then if Ah. there's italy then it was like like um tilted the other way so like um, Mm. is it really the earth but but it's it's the supercontinent stuff isn't it it's when all the continents were one cluster well it's already it's already breaking up after Pangea. So, but but I when when I looked at the map, it's sort of like, wait a second, that looks like the uh, Arabian Peninsula, and this oh, like, yeah, exactly. Oh, that that's Africa. Oh, wait, but not quite, right? Well, it's 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 enough that I've been involved in project about you know uh, old old history and uh, continental movements. So this stuff was sort of uh, familiar to me, and sort of like, ah. Now I get it. Ah, that's cool. <laughs> and that goes into more more of the the details of the story, of course. But it it was it was an interesting moment, and and I wrote a post on the forum about it where John replied as well, and Martin as mm. well. Yeah, we'll we'll dive into it's it's like an alternative alternative um, creation myth or something, right? Yeah, pretty so, much. Yeah, yeah, we'll dive into this for sure. Yes, and, and the world map makes the game very strange because if you think about it, you're traveling a lot of ground mm. in this game. You're basically crossing the Earth's uh, surface uh, multiple times through the course of the adventure. <laughs> and it happens within seconds. You you just decide from one moment to the other to go to 
to the other side of the world and it just happens. And uh, well, it's, that's part of what makes the game very strange. <laughs> it's a couple of seconds um, yes. real time, but you see that there are these um, video clips of you traveling on a dinosaur back and it really feels like it's an epic journey each time. Mm. Yeah, it does. At least when you when you watch the movie, although the video clip mm. each time. Yeah, these I feel these dinosaur videos... They were the the main focus of the dev team. They were like, Clearly. okay, let's let's create these dinosaur videos, and then, oh yeah, it's supposed to be a game. Oh, mm. <laughs> and it's it's a bit of an afterthought. I feel most of your interviews uh, that were pre-release mentioned the graphics and the story. Uh, the developers mostly talked about that, mm. and they were very silent about what kind of gameplay it was. <laughs> uh, they mentioned it would be there would be strategy elements, but uh, lighter mm. than uh, in Dune. A bit lighter, but they didn't. They didn't say much. Yeah. Well, we'll get into why. But <laughs> yeah. Um, myself, I didn't play this game either. I've never really. Well, I, I definitely never played it. I did hear of it, sort of. Um, I only saw it in the store. That's really the only place where I ever saw it. I remember looking at the box and having it in my hands a few times, but never actually bought it and never saw it anywhere, like really running on a on a computer or anything. So all I know, know is the box art. And it looks intriguing, and I looked at it several times, but never... Never quite that intriguing <laughs> that I went uh, to buy it. So, yeah, it's all I know is what the box looks like. And I, I did, when, when Florian suggested it, uh, I thought I had not heard of this game. But then I Googled it and I saw the images and I thought, oh, that's, that's the box game from the store, right? But, well, still the, still the first time that I actually played it. So I think actually that makes it a really cool suggestion. Yeah, I have a quick question. Did you play it in German, Florian? I did, yes. Because I have the big box and I, it's it's not multilingual. Yeah. And Michael, did you play it in French? I played it in French, yes. Awesome. So that's actually interesting. Is the, the fun thing is that it was actually localized for the German and the French market. French seems very obvious, but it was localized because of the French company. But it was localized and, and that... Uh, the the most epic parts of the game are something that don't need to be translated, which is which is great. Did they record the voices in other languages too? Yeah. Yes. Oh wow. So I mean, there's um, I don't know are there subtitles in the game, but yes. Um, yeah, all, all the all the voiceover is in German in the German version. It's not always good voiceover, but it's it's there. But it's not good in the English version either. No, it's, so. it's matching. So yeah, the French dub is also atrocious. So you know it's. Uh, <laughs> Even for them, they went very cheap on the actors. I think so. Mm. Well, we can we can talk about that later in development because yeah. it's yeah. very interesting what happened with the voice actors after this game. Okay, well, looking forward to hearing that. But it's still it's it's important. I feel to remember that it's really impressive uh, in 1995 to have a fully voiced game. I mean, this is definitely not the first game to have this, but it was still something that people were impressed with so i mean that's already quite cool that the the fact that this game has full voice i feel is a major selling point uh, i don't know so. hasn't it been more or less expected for of an adventure game by that time i mean day of the tentacle had it two years prior so yeah creo uh once made the just before that they made dune uh, the cedarum version 
And uh, it was also dubbed in several languages. And one of the languages, I think, was Freeman, a fictional language. Wow. And they were very proud about that. So, That's awesome. Uh, for some reason, yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, so, so, yes, of course, they, they did it again for the, the next game. Yeah. Uh, so in, in some markets, like um, in Germany, you, you can't expect to sell a game if you don't localize it properly. There's just too many Germans that don't understand proper English. Yeah, I think probably French, German, and English were the three major languages for games to be localized to in that era. Nowadays, probably, I don't know, something like Chinese would be, <laughs> make more sense. But yeah, I, I'm not sure in what languages it was localized, but the fact it's French and German is not really surprising at all. I think it, it has uh, text in Italian and Spanish as well. Okay, cool. So this not being a very famous game at all, I think, well, we, we mentioned a lot of elements, but if you were to encapsulate that all and explain it to someone who's not played this, yeah, we've mentioned Mist. It's very much like that, isn't it? Minus puzzles. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like Mist if you just walk around a lot. I mean, there were like, like two or three actual puzzles in the game, but... We'll talk about those later as well. Yeah. There's more dialogue, yeah. maybe. Yeah. So so that's about it. Yeah, and there's lots of characters you can talk to. I, I feel there's there's a lot of really cool characters. and That's true. There's, there's lots of content um, or lots of stuff that you can talk um, other characters about, to, about, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And I think maybe I haven't even heard half of the recordings they made because when you talk to, to your um, party members at random times, they will tell you different things. And if you don't um, like, like strategi strategically do that, then you might miss out on some of the content. Yeah. So it's, it's basically a first-person um, adventure game with dinosaurs in a, in a fictional world, fantasy dinosaur, human world, um, filled with these dinosaur computer animations in between like videos yeah i don't know does that <laughs> explain the game more or less yeah yeah pretty much it's yes yeah and i think it's worth mentioning too the you know the soundtrack uh is, is pretty awesome so you'll get a lot of music uh for different areas you're exploring or um who you're talking to hmm. so yeah i think i think we should dive into that more because you've prepared this whole music story thing, uh, John. Let's do one more thing before that, because we have a voice message again. It's by Bjorn, yes. uh, known as Tiger Quoll on the forums. Yeah, exactly. Who was also on the last episode. So yeah. it's not been a long ago since you heard his voice. That's great. Hi, Bjorn here, Tiger Quoll on the forums. If I can say any game has Genese Qua, that indescribable something, then it's Lost Eden. And I'm not just saying that because it's a French game. I don't think I've unironically enjoyed a game so embarrassingly wonky as much as I've enjoyed this one. Adventure games, more than almost any other type of game, should have good writing. But I felt lucky when the writing in Lost Eden didn't make me wince like I'd stepped on a piece of Lego. Adventure games should also have captivating puzzles. The good ones make you feel like MacGyver. The mediocre ones make you feel like Mr Bean. But the puzzles in Lost Eden just make you feel like a cashier, doing exactly what you're told with the same items over and over. These flaws, together with some of the elements you don't often see in adventure games, such as the party system, the way you navigate the world and the way the story unfolds, 
makes me think it may have originally been intended as an RPG and the direction was changed halfway through development. But I couldn't stop myself being charmed by this game, and the game couldn't stop me either, despite unintentionally <laughs> trying to drag me back to the real world every time I found myself getting lost in it. So much of the power of this game's spell comes from music. Stefan Peek has created for Lost Eden one of the best video game soundtracks I've ever heard. The haunting, droning undercurrents overlaid with hazily tribal electro house beats paint pictures with sound as well as any artist can with a brush. The graphics, although they're fairly basic by today's standards, work with their limitations instead of against them. The Spartan landscapes and architectures saturate the game world with a bleached, arid vastness. The music and graphics together can almost make you feel what it's like to be on ancient Pangaea. That is, until Thug or some vaguely racist caricature opens their mouth. (laughs) By the way, I hope you discuss the baffling character reveal where the most surprising thing about it is that we're supposed to be surprised at all. (laughs) I think you know the one I'm talking about. Lost Eden is a perfect example of a flawed masterpiece. I'm glad there's games like this. It's charming despite, maybe even because of, its rough, even jagged edges, and I wouldn't have it any other way. Uh, it's so true what he says. Like I, I had to laugh at that many things that he said just because that's exactly what I felt like when I played the game. Yeah. That. Thank you, Bjorn. Yeah. That was a, a perfect <laughs> voice message. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, the game is flawed, but it's not without its charm. Um, and it it definitely has cool music and a well. A, a, it has a story. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm I'm just intrigued uh, what you have prepared for us, John. So I, I think, well, well, we'll just give you the floor. All right. So, yeah, I'll, I'll just say if um, this, this quiz will basically spoil the entire story. So if this mm. is something that you're interested in playing, uh, you know, pause the episode, uh, try out the game. It's, it's pretty, uh, like, I don't think it's that long to play. Um, oh, it's uh, true. It's pretty, pretty casual, I'd say. You and, can play it in a day, um, certainly. Yeah, it didn't take me very long to beat. So yeah, pause the episode, um, play the game, and then come back, pick up right here, and then yeah, see if, see how well you do in the quiz here. <laughs> uh, basically, I'll just... Uh, I've sent my recordings to Florian, so I'll just say, Florian, play question one, and... Um, We'll listen to the entire clip, and then I'll ask a question. Um, there's only, well, there's 12 questions, and there's probably less than five minutes audio total. So hopefully this does not feel like a slog to get through. <laughs> um, all right. So, are, yeah. you counting, are you counting points or something? Yes, yes, I am counting points. Um, I will, I guess it makes sense if I ask someone and then if, if they don't know the answer we can open it up um oh do you guys want to play for anything uh in particular <laughs> i i don't have much to give away i'm sorry <laughs> but uh we'll we'll just uh we'll just play for uh, dos street cred here if yes. that's okay with you guys um so yeah if you guys are ready um florian why don't, why don't you start us off with question one
All right. So that was the music played during the intro where a pterodactyl named Eloy sets up the story for us. Uh, the day that Eloy arrives to the Citadel of Mo to bring tragic news from the north is a significant day. Um, so well, I'll pick on Esco first. Esco, what is that tragic news that Eloy brings? Uh, good question. Uh, it, I'll, I'll, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess is that uh, there's uh, rumors of Marcus Rex up somewhere up north. Uh, yes, yeah, that is very close. Um, the so I'll, I'll give it to you. That is basically he arrives to tell you that Shamar, which is the the next northernmost city to the citadel, has fallen to Marcus Rex's armies. Uh, called the the Tyran Tyran. What? That's guys... funny because the game itself can't decide <laughs> yeah. how to pronounce it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, in German they did it. They did it pretty well. They were called uh, Tyrannos in every single uh, instance. Very good. Uh, okay. So yeah, I'm going to refer to them as the Tyran. Um, Michael, what was the other significant event happening on this day that the the game begins? Oh, I think you turn uh, 18 years old or something like that. You become uh, at least majority. Yes, that's right. So it's Adam's coming of age day. Yes. Uh, I, I think he's turning 18. So, um, yeah, I, so that was that was question one. Um, did Good job. And uh, yeah, ni- nice work. We have, we have a point for Esco and Michael. Um, did you guys have any like super strong impressions just like, We've already kind of talked about the UI, but I was curious um, if, if you had any other stories. Like for me in particular, it took me about five minutes to figure out how to even save my game and, and quit. Mm. Yeah, that's that's a very weird thing, right? Um, maybe, maybe not not totally unheard of in that era, but um, the way to save is that you click on a special button on the screen that opens your party screen in which you are alone at the beginning. And then you have to click your own character and then you can finally save the game. Yeah, I read the manual. Oh, that's, that's, that's cheating. cheating! Come on. Oh. <laughs> I found out about uh, you, you know when you explore the areas, uh, the other areas uh, outside the citadel later. Uh, on the top right corner of the screen, there is uh, some kind of map, mm-hmm. and I fully understood how to use it. I was maybe like uh, one hour before uh, finishing the game. Ouch! So. <laughs> f- it made traveling very much more burden than, uh, than it actually should have been. <laughs> yeah, the whole map system is, is yes. very weird. Um, also going from the uh, more detailed, I don't know what, what to call them, the actual scenes back to the overview of, of yeah. the place where you are, back to the world map, that's just super weird. <laughs> I, I just got lost a lot in the Citadel at first. Um, the game opens in the hallway, I think. And you can only really move in one direction. You can only move forward. But then when you move back, I expected the view to be like 180 degrees reversed, you know, like looking at from the other way. But that's not what you're presented with. You're presented with the same screen. Yeah, but you know what the worst part about that is? They do that in that place of the um, of the Citadel. But in other places, your view actually turns around, like in the labyrinth. Yeah. That is pretty close to the end of the game. When you go there and you move back, you suddenly 
get get the view from the other direction. That was really confusing me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I I felt like the beginning, especially that it it actually loops around. It's sort of okay. You're clearly just walking around this the the great hall in the middle, and, yeah. and then you're coming back down to the initial view. I felt that that was like a tech demo. Mm, for sure, that definitely felt like it. That okay, look what we can do. Yeah. Yeah, it has no function. Uh, of course, at the end of the game where you're in the labyrinth, nobody cares. <laughs> you know, okay, it's a labyrinth, you turn left, the thing looks like this. You go back, it looks it looks exactly how you expect a labyrinth to look. I wouldn't so, be shocked if the Citadel was the only actual finished place uh, of a game. Yeah. Because a lot of it seemed very rough, very draft, and uh, Cryo has an history of not finishing properly their games or maybe you know sometimes cutting stuff so that it fits on a single on a single city mm. so I, I wouldn't be shocked if there were more planned areas uh, that were like this and uh, but we only got the citadel also if you noticed carefully and if you looked at it carefully uh, there were a lot of the areas which were similar by geography on different Uh, parts of, of the world map, so in different sort of valleys or or areas, they were exactly the same backgrounds. Yeah. So you were at a lake uh, looking for, I don't remember what, what the uh, Saurus was at the lake, is that you could see, okay, this is the spot where it would probably show up because this looks exactly like <laughs> the one in the previous place. Exactly. But yeah, that's, that's exactly. also helpful. I mean, if it wasn't for that, I would never have found the, um, what were they called? Mesosaurus or something like that? Mesosaurus, yeah. Oh, I wish I'd known that because at that part of the game, I was basically looking at every single lake spot and you'd have to wait <laughs> through about a 30 second animation to see if the Mazasaurus showed up. So mm. that would have saved me a lot of time. But yeah, to, to come back to the Citadel, once you realize how well designed it is and how much effort they put into it, it's even more of a disappointment when you move from the demo, mm -hmm. which is set in the Citadel to the full game where everything is just still screens and copy-pasted screens. Yeah. And uh, I, I remember being very disappointed when I moved from the demo area yeah. to uh, the full game. Mm. There suddenly also aren't these cool scene transitions anymore. So when you're in the open, there, it's just fade one scene to the other. But maybe that was just because they used up all the CD-ROM space for the transitions in the Citadel. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, the Citadel's definitely very polished and it's, it's easily the most impressive area The, the entire game has to offer. Still kind of confusing, but it's probably the best part of this game, right? Yeah, it was pretty cool seeing those, like, it looks like you're almost like a drone flying through, like, a tunnel to the next room to get to the king's throne room. Um, they, they really put a lot of effort into that. Yeah. It's also the only place that looks a bit like there's actual mystery to it. Like, there are places that you can discover later, and that's... I can't remember any of the other places having... Anything that you can actually discover. There are some rooms in the Citadel which serve absolutely no purpose. Mm -hmm. and uh, But you have smooth transitions from one room to the other. And, uh, you, you know, it's very strange mm -hmm. how much effort there was in it compared to the rest of the game. Yeah. yeah. Well, the next question is, is about uh, one of those rooms and transitions. Uh, okay. You guys ready to move on to question two? Definitely. All right. Remember how frightened you were as a child?
Ooh, interesting to hear the voices in English for the yeah, first time. Yeah, I didn't realize there were other voices. So this is very educational for me too. Um, so yeah, Adam, he sneaks out of the Citadel to hear Tao's last words. And those are to enter the Citadel's dungeons where a tyrant, tyrant general named Morkong is being held prisoner and discover the secret hidden there to defeating Morcus Rex's armies. Martine. Oh. I the, was afraid the, of this. <laughs> the, the, the tunnel approaching the dungeon resembles most closely which Star Wars character's closet? What? <laughs> <laughs> what? Does, does anyone else want to take a stab at it if, if, if that uh, <laughs> doesn't make any sense to you? Star Wars character's closet? Yeah. This might be a little bit of a stretch, but I'll explain. <laughs> I have no idea. Okay. Oh, so it's probably actually R two D 2s Hmm. I think. Uh, and what's your what's your reasoning there? Uh, I'm just trying because the, that's the only character that I can think in Star Wars that really likes to live in a closet. Okay. <laughs> uh, because because he shows up every once in a while from like these little uh, cubby holes. <laughs> okay. Well, that is not one of the answers I would have accepted, but. <laughs> Um, see, you guys are seeing what kind of quality quiz you get out of me, but, um, (laughs) we, so going from going through the, like, I don't know, you put a tooth in, in some mummy and you go down a tunnel, uh, open a door and then you walk through this other tunnel where it looks like there's bodies frozen in carbonite. Does any, Mm. so so I would have accepted, uh, I was looking for Boba Fett, but, um, anyways, I thought that was, that part stuck out to me because that's the part that my children, uh, said, nope, I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> this is too scary. Um, so yeah, sorry about that question. Uh, the next, no, it's fine. <laughs> next one. It is actually kind of scary. That area is, is that behind the, the door? Is there like some kind of I remember the mummy with the tooth, uh-huh. but then later yeah, that's, there's that's a, that there's, area. Yeah, yeah, there's a stairs and a, a creepy door. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's like there's like bodies, like yeah, they look like they're frozen in carbonite. They have they're like stuck in these rectangles, and then I think I remember arms that are coming out from the walls. Ooh. You know, and arms, arms exactly. Out. Very creepy. Yeah. Very creepy. So the follow up question. Uh, Florian, Ooh. what actually was that Morkong bellowing noise? Uh, a giant horn. Yes. And um, you go in, Dina explains like she was playing a trick on you, which is kind of weird. And uh, <laughs> then you you learn the secret to d- defeating Morcus Rex's armies. Uh, oh, I remember. D- doesn't she like bail on you? Yes. For no reason and then later joins you again? Yes. 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 What's up with that? Like yes. you have to do this alone yeah. because it's so scary. It's like a test or a something. Test. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And the weird thing about that is she in order to like pass that test, you have to give her one of the presents that Monk gave you, which was like a courage potion. Um so if for her to talk to Jabber, she needed a courage potion for some reason. And it was almost like, how would you, how would she know you had a courage potion unless her and Monk were in on it together or something? It didn't, mm. didn't make a lot of sense to me, but no, um, clearly the only <laughs> thing in the game that doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> yeah, you know, it really took the, like it, 
the realism realism out of it. You know, I was on board with the talking dinosaurs coexisting with humans, but then this happened, and I was like, yeah. "What? What? Yeah." <laughs> um. So yeah, what is? Who wants to take this this question? What is the secret to defeating Marcus Rex's armies? Uh, I think I'll I'll try it. I think it was unite the dinosaurs and the humans. Yes, work together with the dinosaurs to build citadels using the flute. <laughs> yeah, because that's how you build a citadel. <laughs> no, not quite. But no, that's that's how you yeah. get your dinosaurs yeah. to cooperate. Some of them. Yeah, it, yeah. Is it this where you get the first uh, the first part of the object you need to assemble uh, in the final part? You the, get, no, you get it from Monk. I remember being very confused. You get it from Monk? Okay. You get it from Monk. Yeah, Monk is this wizard, right? Who is just hanging out at the <laughs> Citadel all the time? Yeah. yeah, what would you say you do here? <laughs> Causing more trouble than anything else. Yeah, he seems like some kind of, I don't know, saboteur or something. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if we're going to talk about him later much more, but... Uh, yeah, we will. The There's a question for Monk. Okay, okay, okay so okay. Let's, let's, maybe, let's maybe not talk yeah. about him now. <laughs> So yeah, um, anything else you guys want to discuss uh, beginning Citadel? Because we'll move on to the, uh, the the next section of the game and the next question. I just want to say that flute was absolutely hilarious to me. Like you, you <laughs> like get the flute and it's, to me, it was like, what? The item is a flute? Okay. And then they go, yeah, yeah. You can use it to unite the dinosaurs. I go, okay, okay. <laughs> and then you can, you can play it for, to one of your party members and it just sounds... Like, you know that YouTube video where where it's like uh, the Titanic reject song and just goes burr, 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 on over the, the over the Titanic like yeah it's basically that it's just some horrible kid playing the flute <laughs> and then the character goes oh it's so magical these <laughs> these magical tones and like oh my god what is what is this game <laughs> well why don't why don't we go to question three and we could see hear how magical the, uh, that flute really is ah yes They say they see no sign of friendship in you. <laughs> what? After playing such uh, a nice melody? Yeah. No sign of friendship? Well, so Adam at the Citadel, he convinced the king that he must leave to construct citadels in the other lands to stop the tyrant armies. So the next section of the game involves enlisting help from different types of dinosaurs to perform the same three tasks over and over. Florian, what are the three dinosaurs and what do they, what are their demands to help you? So there are the brontosaurus and they demand uh, mushroom. Mushroom and the flute. Um, then there are the velociraptors. For some reason, they want gold and, and an object of power, each of them. And the last ones are the Triceratops, and they want empty bird's nests for some reason. And it's the last thing they need. They need something else. Do they need something else? I'm not sure if they need something else. No. Pro- probably not. I think that's it. I mean, Eve sings to them, but that's... Oh, yes, Eve sings. Yeah. But that's automatic. Uh-huh. So, yeah. You got three points for that one. Nice work. Woo-hoo. 
Um, yeah, impressive. Well, I've, I've, I've done it often enough. So. <laughs> <laughs> the Raptors, they also need an item of power, if you remember. Yes, I, I said that. And, uh, yeah, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. sorry, I mentioned that. Which is uh, also one of the three puzzles in the game, is to figure out which belongs where. Unless, I mean, mm-hmm. it's not really a puzzle if you find the other dinosaur first. The Mesosaurus that we talked about earlier. So. He just tells you. Yep. He just flat out says, give this to them. All right. So so maybe, maybe I should get eight points because um, <laughs> I, we also need to find the Mesosaurus and give an apple to them. So That's optional, yep, that's, though. That is optional. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you you don't actually have to do that part, but it's, it's very helpful. Hmm. Um, well, the thing is, is you do get like, um, an option of two items of power, and then if you give it to one, they they just give it back and say it didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you give give it give them the other one or something. And the, the worst thing is that they actually tell you when you give them uh, that they aren't pleased with the item, but they will still try it. Yes, uh, but there is no option to get the item back and give them the other one. You know, you have yeah. to leave the area, rejoin the area, and uh, it, it's a waste of time. <laughs> I think if you have a second object of power, you can just give them that and they will re- return the first one. Ah, that's, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that yeah, that, that does happen. But you ha- but the guys who give you the objects of power, they'll give you one and then you have to come back for the, for the other one when you've uh, used up the first one. Mm. So you do have to give them that. Then you go back, you pick up the second item, then you just give them that. Okay, fine. Good. I, I ended up with multiple objects of power for some reason. Uh, was it, I think maybe the end game has multiple objects that you have to throw around. There, there's a way you can get both at once if you kind of... You can probably give them a mask or something and get a second one. Yeah, exactly. You, you can get the mask, the second mask, without having to uh, basically complete the first two areas you go to. Yeah. Is it ever explained why the Brontosaurus need the mushrooms? It's just a, a sign of, of friendship, mm. just in the audio clip that we played. Right. They, they, they actually they actually do explain it, and the fact is that because because uh, the dinosaurs and the humans have fallen out, mm. they they're not going to straight up respond to your your little uh, uh, untrained flute playing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, please give Adam flute lessons for his birthday. Thank you. <laughs> and and then uh, and that's the reason why is is that okay? Because they've fallen out, then you have to show them, uh, give them a sign of kindness, so that you're not. You're not an enemy, or you're not indifferent indifferent to them, but you give them the the mushroom, and then you play. Uh, then they show, okay, now you, now you're on their side, and then you play the flute, yeah. and all right, fine. Which is which is a bit weird. I mean, they should have an interest in defeating the tyrants, right? Yeah, but, but what's even more weird is that uh, uh, they, they show that, that they are suspicious of humans, and you give them one mushroom, and they build an entire center yeah, in exchange of that mushroom. All they need. <laughs> and uh, it forgets, you know, they forget centuries, maybe of uh, I don't know. Uh, oh, oh, they, they forget a whole generation because, yes. of course, the, the king, who's, who's your father, has been pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also another kind of mushroom, which is like the the bad poisonous mushroom. Yeah. But if you give it, it will just not work, right? Yeah, it's just one of your party members will say, hey, don't, don't give, give that. Um, yeah. Give the poison to those who are kind to you or something like that. Yeah. So then it's just in your inventory. You know, just... but w- wherever you can find the good mushrooms, you can also find the bad ones. And I thought, hey, may- maybe in the end I will need them for something. So <laughs> no. I had a full inventory full of, of the uh, poison <laughs> mushrooms. Yeah. 
this is this is where actually the the uh, the character that joins you at the th- the citadel when you leave, Thug, the captain of the guard, is is your most valuable character in the whole game because he can eat the poisonous mushrooms. Oh, he will. He <laughs> he gives you the apples, and he also does inventory management. So even if you end up with extra good mushrooms, you can just feed them all to him. Oh, so, nice. That's good. And and also when when Florian talked about he they wanted the empty nests you can find full nests with eggs in them you give the ne- full nests to Thug he'll empty them out eat the eggs and you yeah. get the empty nest that you can give to the Triceratops oh that would have been helpful to know <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's a very strange bit because the Triceratops tell you they want an empty nest and you've got a nest with eggs. <laughs> And, uh, you, you know, yeah. no, no, nobody tells you, why don't you remove the eggs? Just, just hand it to Thug. Thug will eat all and the you, eggs. You, you're just picturing the, the entire party, you know, being, uh, being stuck because they have a nest with eggs and they need a nest with no eggs. Yeah. It's a very, very strange situation. Yeah, it's like, we need two batteries. We only have three. Oh, no. And then the whole thing is just stuck. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, well, it's very strange. I I think this entire sequence pretty shows that the the dev team clearly didn't think much of puzzles. Mm. And uh, it's like there is an entire uh, section of a game that was not meant to be, and they put this, if you see what I mean. Yeah. They they really wanted to do some strategy thing here, and instead they did this. Yeah. Because uh, they had to do something. Yeah. Yeah, we should maybe maybe we should explain real quick that you do this citadel building stuff. You do that um, five times, I think, and the sixth time it's 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 only half the half the job. It, it feels like it's two thirds of a game. Yeah, really. this is the this is the bulk of the game. Is this? Yeah. Yeah. And the the worst part about it is that you have all those steps that you have to do, and there is no indication on the map or anywhere else which things you've already done. So um, I lost track of of which cities or which valleys had which part of the Citadel built. So actually I had to walk around and then I made a list and ticked off, okay, the I have the Triceratops here and I have um, recruited the Velociraptors here. And Yeah. Eloy tells you something once in a while, but uh, it's always partial information. Sometimes maybe I think it's incorrect. <laughs> so it's not it's not really helpful, you know. Yeah, none of the characters in the game are really reliable. No. <laughs> yes. No, I think this is the main flaw of this game is that th- this is like the, the bulk of the game and it's just not there. It's just a copy-pasted, nothing, no puzzle. It's just. <laughs> I think they. I think you're right, Michael, that they wanted something else in here, and this was just supposed to be like a temporary filler thing. And yeah, I think so. It's more apparent when you look at the Cryo's previous and next games, because Dune had the strategy element. Mm-hmm. And uh, the next game, Commander Blood, uh, the strategy element was clearly advertised and it wasn't there. Mm. Uh, however, the follow-up to this game had a strategy part that was somehow reactivated. So it was in the code of a game, uh, but they didn't put it in because uh, because clearly it didn't make... Uh, uh, it wasn't working gameplay-wise. Mm. So I'm quite sure if someone rever- reverse-engineered uh, Lost Eden, they, they would find something in there. Right. That's interesting. But, yeah. but I'm pretty much sure that no one has any interest in uh, ah. reverse-engineering the game. <laughs> oh, I, I wouldn't say that. People find all things interesting. So Yeah, I'm not sure if it's, if it's actually there, but I, I do think it was the plan to have something. And yeah, it's it's just not there. 
It's just... They clearly said so in all the interviews, mm. but they, they never went to details. Right. All right, well, let's, uh, let's jump to the next question. Um, question four. At last, I am free to remove my mask. Oh, he's a woman. <laughs> <laughs> That's even worse in English than it is in German. Yeah. I, I love that gas. <laughs> it's a woman, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. in German, they didn't even they didn't even uh, bother changing the voice of the first part. So, oh, that's kind yeah. of bad. It wasn't that great in English either. It was like it was a woman just talking with a deep voice. Uh, I didn't have any thoughts that it was ever not a woman. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. It was like, like, uh, hey, what? Why? Why are you not thinking she's a woman? What? <laughs> so, so uh, the question is: um, So Lord Aquasaurus shows the party to the Valley of Despair, where Adam wins a major victory against the Tyrant. Here, Adam meets Lord Talumi. Who is this person? And which gardening tool does their disguise most closely resemble? Uh, Michael. I think she looks like a shovel. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> she looks I, I, just I, like a shovel. Yes. It, it was a very strange sequence, right? Yes. And who is this person? Your sister. No. Oh, oh, no. I'm sorry. Anyone else want to try? It's a love interest. It's Eve. <laughs> or Kamala. It is Eve. Yes. Um, so yeah, this person is Eve. Um, there's, there's gotta be some symbolism here with, with Adam and, and Eve. I don't know. What do you guys think? For sure. Adam and Eve and Lost Eden. Sure. Lost Eden. Come on. <laughs> no, yeah. no, no. Pure coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's not just a normal shuffle though, is it? it I, I mean, it's a purple shuffle. Yes. With eyes. <laughs> and, and, and there's lines. It's like, I don't know, some kind of alien. The bestest guys ever. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Also, she has really long hair, but that's somehow maybe that's why th there's these sides to the shovel. Maybe that's where the, all the hair is in. Uh, it's it's all up in the shovel. Maybe it's not that flat. Maybe it's actually a thick shovel. You know? Yes. Oh. Quite an odd costume, that's for sure. She looks so out of place. Like all all the characters up to that point were sort of organic, old looking, like with brown leather things, and and then. Out of the blue, there's like a, a, a shiny purple character. It's like, oh. Like an alien. Though. Yeah, she felt alien. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a woman in a shovel disguise. <laughs> yeah. And the reason why she is in the disguise is because she's the, she's the leader of some kind of tribe, right? Who worships shovels, maybe? <laughs> yeah. The, so I, it's, I think Fug uh, is like the, the leader of their, uh, I don't even know what, what to call these these creatures, but um, it, it, he's very much like Thug, and they seem, um, they, you know, they talk in grunts or single words. Uh, yeah, so, caveman-like, right? Yeah, yeah, very caveman-like. So they wouldn't have accepted a woman as, as their leader is the explanation. That's right. Yeah. All right, um, question five. I am Kabuka, leader of the Castra, and we claim your woman friend. She must come with us. These are also very weird people. Yeah. So, so Kabuka is quite the classy guy. You you meet him, and and who does he take, and what does he want in return for her, uh, Martine? 
Well, he takes Eve, um, which I think about one minute earlier was still a shuffle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's it's quite a dramatic moment in the game, really. I mean, first you learn that the purple alien is actually Eve, a beautiful woman, and then the next moment she's taken captive by uh, you heard him, uh, the Kabuka leader of the castor. He's a, he's a weird white guy, like. I mean, not not a white guy. I mean, he's literally just a little white, like, I don't know, like a statue or something. He has a weird helmet on with sticks. Oh, it's a helmet. I thought it was the shape of his head, actually. I think it's a helmet. It's 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 a really weird character. Uh, he has this big round eyes, or actually he has really small eyes, but there's round uh, but lines th- around it. That, that being a mask actually makes a lot of sense because it explains why the, the nose looks so weird and all of that. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of the question, right, uh, John? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, you got two points for that one. Um, so, yeah, it's just... Uh, you're right. Like, they, we just met Eve, and already she's getting kidnapped, and thugs ready to fight for her um you have if to go, not go he says yeah exactly <laughs> uh, uh let's see so you're at um you, this is like the place after the valley of Des- despair um dina goes back to the valley because uh mungo is missing um and you have to go you have to go find her and convince her to come back with you and and that that's kind of gruesome mm-hmm. right you have to one of those tablets can can talk to Marcus Rex, and he has Mungo's head on a platter, and you have to show that to Dina, and that's what's going to convince her to come and basically trade hostages with this Kabuka character. Have we actually talked about the tablets? No, no, yeah. I think they were mentioned shortly, but they're sort of crucial. Yeah. They are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, fill us in because I, I I didn't have any questions about those. So um, one of the first items that you get is one of those tablets. And when you look at it, you can actually see Marcus Rex and he will talk to you and, and taunt you and all of those, those things. And over the course of the game, you can find more of those tablets. And yeah, when, when you look at them, you see different things. And actually the guy is the, this Kabuko, Kabuka guy that we just talked about. You can actually see him in one of the tablets even before you meet him. You just see him very shortly and then it fades out again. So yeah. That's all there is to say about the tablets, right? At least, at least for now, without spoiling the end of the story. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that later. They tell you it's important, but they don't tell you why. Yeah. I, I just want to say one thing about the whole Valley of Despair scene. Oh, yes. Because there's, a, there's an epic battle uh, <laughs> in, in the story, right? I mean, the, the game builds to this point where you're building all these citadels everywhere and... And then suddenly you're, you come to the Valley of Despair. Sounds really impressive. And and then Eloy comes and he says, "Oh, there's a there's a big battle going on now, and we're gonna fight the tyrant." And I was kind of hyped for this, you know. It's like, oh yeah, now now the game is coming alive. Like, oh yeah, now we're getting to the big battle. And I think the game faded to black, and then faded in again. <laughs> and Eloy said, "Wow, that was an epic battle, <laughs> and that was the battle." <laughs> It never shows anything, and it's... Probably ran out of CGI budget. It just skipped over it entirely. <laughs> uh, such a weird moment in the game. That's, that's the missing third of the game. That's, that's the true Lost Eden. Uh, is that oh, that's the, the Lost Eden. <laughs> <laughs> 
Also, I, I don't know if you have anything about that topic, but um, do you have something about how you get out of the valley of despair again? Uh, no, yeah. So let's let's talk about how we even got got out of that because that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Um, no. So um, what what they say is they they tell you, oh yeah, we've tried to get out, but the passageway that you came through it's blocked now, very very bad. But there's another way we can go over the ocean. But sadly, uh, I don't have my navigator stone, whatever it was called in English. Um, I don't have it anymore, and so I I cannot navigate you. Um, across the ocean, and you give her one of one item that you got right from the start. I think maybe it was even the very first item yeah. that you got, probably. Yeah, yeah, it was just laying around in yeah. the citadel. Eloy actually gave gives it to ah, you. Right. He says that's he it. just found it. Yeah. Ah, right. That's explained later yeah. again. It's, True. It's sort of his his present for your coming of age, mm. and you give it to her, and because it looks like it actually looks like a like a compass, um, mm-hmm. and it also says um, if you look at it at, at a, another point in the game, it says, "Oh, there's something carved in here. It's E V E." And you know, ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing with a game, right? You know, the, the items you get are completely disconnected from the place you are supposed to use them or to give them to, or even sometimes to the people they actually belong to. It's You, you get an item someplace and it belongs to someone at the other side of the world and, you know, just supposed to assume, okay. Yeah, I just dropped it. And they recognize it. <laughs> yeah, and then... Eloy just says, oh yeah, I found it while I was flying there and there. And then comes the, the funniest part. They tell you, yeah, okay, we have we have those rafts. We've been in this valley of despair for decades. And then you end up um, seeing the, that video where you leave the valley and it's like on three rafts. And I'm like, what? We spent 30 years to build three rafts. You mustn't, must, must not have been that dis- desperate to leave the valley of despair. Maybe where they were too despair. But yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're putting the dinosaurs on rafts, you know, and the, the rafts float. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> they're big rafts. Maybe that's why it's only yeah. two. They're, they're really big rafts. All right. Well, let's let's move on to the, the next question, which is six. nice little song was the embalmers theme um what what grave news does adam receive once he's built all the citadels across the continents that's easy uh esco uh he he hears that his uh father has passed away that is that is right so you talk to the embalmers and what are adam's instructions from them Adam's, you mean the embalmer's instructions? Yeah, sorry. What are the instructions from the embalmers to Adam? Uh, you had to bring somebody who was not somehow not in, not directly related to him to take uh, to help him to reach the afterlife, uh, and of course they they need they needed you to uh, show some 
No, that was that was later then, uh, after the embalmment, the, the next part. But anyway, but you needed to bring them somebody who would take some uh, take part in the um, in the process of of uh, moving him to the afterlife or something like that. Yes, that is correct. And let's jump immediately to to question seven because it kind of ties in with that. How can you understand what he says, Monk? Years of experience, Eve, patience, and understanding. Uh, the poor fellow had few besides me who would befriend him. All right. Um, Michael, who is who's Monk referring to in this clip? Oh, I believe he's... Um, I'm not sure I remember his name, but he's the one in the torture chamber. Uh-huh, yeah. Jabber is his name. Yes, exactly. And uh, I, I remember it always struck me that they casually had a, a torture room, you know, inside the, the citadel, and <laughs> no one seems to to question it. Or uh... well, Dinah Di- Dina questions it in the beginning of the game. Hmm. Yes, and and they basically tell them that it's just a, a place where he feels nice and familiar. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, why not? <laughs> And the guy, the guy can't really talk, right? Yeah, or doesn't have a tongue. Um, yeah, yeah, they cut out his tongue. Yeah. Uh, so, so fortunately, <laughs> we have monk who can interpret for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, you know, I, I don't know. Did you guys get a sense that monk was trustworthy? No, no, no. I was, I was completely sure he was like a traitor or something like that. And it turns out he's just dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really thought th- this guy, Monk, uh, he is constantly sending you down the wrong path. I I thought he was much more sinister than he actually turned out to be. He just turned out to be super incompetent. Yeah, yeah. He felt like like maybe he was the real villain behind it all or something. Or like he was a spy yeah. sent by the bad guy. I, I was sure about yeah. that. Yeah, and he's just, he's just confused. And he can't help himself. He's, I, I guess actually having him be a spy or a traitor or something would have been a bit much complexity for this game. Yeah. Yeah, I think he's just here for comic relief, you know, mm. it's just bad comedy. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Essentially, I mean, the whole embalming procedure, it's pretty gruesome, right? It's implied that it's really kind of terrible, I don't know, like it's a, it's... Yeah, traumatizing. Yeah, they they go off and you just like hear screams and moans and mm-hmm. he comes back and and uh I think it's Eve or someone asks are, are you all right? And, and Monk's like, "Oh yeah, he, he's never been <laughs> yeah, better." Yeah, sure, he wants to do it. <laughs> yeah. and, and everyone's like, "Uh <laughs> <laughs> Oh, poor guy." Yeah. yeah. I I want to say the Miranda, I think she's called the embalmer. Super cool looking character. She's She's also purple and she's like this disc for, on her shoulders and, and behind her back as well. It's uh, behind her head, I mean. It's these these things sticking out in a circle. Yeah. Super, super cool looking. I, I did think she had a pretty cool costume too. I, I don't know what it's like analogous to though. I'd, it's like, I don't know, some sort of like witch doctor combined with uh, something else, like a Native American. I, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to... Uh, say something wrong, but uh, it, it looks it looks pretty cool. I don't know. Yeah, and it looks really foreign and really, I don't know. It's it's just out of this world. It's uh, I think this is one of the best parts of this game. To be honest, it's just the the, the character design and the way everyone 
is really distinct and memorable. Maybe you just think it's it's one of the best parts because that's when you really thought, oh, Monk is a, is a traitor. Now the story is coming alive. And <laughs> yeah. I, I, but I I I agree with uh, uh, Martin on this. Is that the art direction was really good in in the places where where there was art direction and not <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah, not a, a rubber stamp. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So. I mean, it, it, the gameplay is lacking, but the, the visuals are pretty cool. And sometimes there's a, there's a nugget like this, like a, like a really cool looking character, such as Miranda. I, I just feel it was a highlight. All right. Uh, you guys ready for question eight? No, but I'll play it anyway. All right. <laughs> Shandrova's Shandrova's theme music. That's probably one of my favorite songs uh, in the soundtrack. But so after after uh, freeing the the freeing of the heart ceremony, Eloy suggests to Adam that he travels north to meet this brave queen warrior Shazia. She is indeed a tough woman that puts a lot of faith in the suspenders that she's wearing. <laughs> what big reveal? happens when who notices what when meeting her uh who haven't we heard from in a while florian Uh, i'm not entirely sure which big reveal you're talking about but it turns out she's your sister and that's the the, reveal yeah that's the reveal that's the big reveal that's which yeah which which is very weird because as you said she puts a lot of trust in her suspenders um so she's supposed i I don't know i think you're, you're supposed to find her hot or something but then she's your sister, so that's 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 really messed up, isn't it? That's the nineties baby. <laughs> yeah, and she was also supposed to be dead, so Yeah. Yeah. That's what you were told. Oh, that's that's probably the real reveal, right? Mm. Because she was supposed to to have died with, with your mother or her mother. Your mother. mother? Oh, know. your both your sisters. Mother? So yeah. oh, she's just, well, could, yeah. could could still be half siblings, right? Mm. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, does anyone remember why like they left or why they thought they were murdered? Oh, I do. Uh, I'm, I think I know they left because um, the king, they, they thought the king was weak and they wanted to uh, fight on their own, right? Yeah. Yeah. They, they kept calling him Gregor the Worm, uh, your father. So, um, yeah. So they, they left to, to go fight the tyrant. Um, so, yeah. Do, do you, does anyone remember what kind of triggered that? The whole like, hey, that's 
How did, how did they know that's her sister at first? This is a tough question. It, it probably involves showing an item. Yeah, exactly. But I don't remember what item exactly. The sword. Mm, close. The golden sword? No, she has the golden sword. Uh, she, she gives it later, right? She uh, gives it to you uh, later on. Yeah, because you need it to uh, prove your, uh, your uh, kingship. Oh, yeah, that's right. Um, you have to prove that you are the prince, right? Exactly. Yeah. You know, put your money where your mouth is, and, and then she'll give you the sword. But uh, Monk notices her necklace, which I guess was something that Gregor gave her mom. Or, yeah, so your, your mom. Hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. All right. Um, yeah, question nine. a truly great day. We are free at last. I'm proud to call you brother. Your name will be remembered by men throughout eternity. That's all very well, but there won't be any men to remember you, my lord, if Morcus Rex is not stopped and we have not defeated him yet. <laughs> That's weird, isn't it? Can I say something? <laughs> yes. It's the, the voice acting it it sounds like the the actors with each line with every line they're giving it their all but they don't what know what what it is about like what they're saying they have no idea what this but the, the maybe the voice actors finished half a year before the game was game was even close to being done and they're like oh well, there's just a script we just read what's on the paper yeah but they're really going for it like they're really acting at 110% but but it doesn't have any meaning. They don't know what they're saying. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of the German voiceover, by the way. The German voiceover is like uh, Prince Adam, the tyrant's attack. <laughs> it's like it's like, like they read it without without I don't know I don't know just reading it without practice and then just talk right into the mic. First, yeah. first attempt, uh, good enough. Take it. All right. Um, so the question is that Shazia, she gives Adam the golden sword once Adam begins building the citadel. Um, Esco, do you remember what the sword is used for? Uh, you have, well, I just said it. You had to go, uh, well, there's, I think there's two uses. Mm-hmm. One is you have to stab Marcus Rex as an uh, edifice that's in the back of the uh, throne room to uh, uh, get into the maze, to get the egg, what was it, the egg of eternity or whatever it was. The other one, you had to use it to show to the embalmers that you were the, the true king and the true heir uh, to the, the throne. It will give you the best weapons. That is, that's right. Yes. Yes, what are those weapons, Florian? More musical instruments, as if there hadn't been enough. The yes. weapons of fear. <laughs> so <laughs> we need we need more untrained yes. people to play un- musical yes. instruments. Yes, so there's yes. there's like uh, trumpets, uh, drums, and like a bell, and they have to be played yeah. by men, yeah. obviously, because um, mm. what woman could play a bell? <laughs> yeah, and um, so yeah, you got it right. There's uh, the two reasons the two purposes for the sword and you enter a maze. Um, Michael, what is the most efficient way of getting through that maze? A walkthrough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is an acceptable answer. Well, sort of a built-in walkthrough, really. No, no, no. I, I got lost and uh, you, you actually talk to one of the characters who tips you and tell you uh, 
which direction you need to go to. Uh, I think it's your sisters yes. uh, mm -hmm. who tells you uh, which way to go, mm -hmm. uh, which makes... Uh, Which makes it still, uh, still, you know, annoying because you move one square, you talk to your sister, you move another square. We, we should note that talking to your sister involves at least five or six clicks each time. So you have to yes, open the, exactly. the party menu, then you have to scroll to the left to find her, and you have to click her, uh, and you have to go out of the, of the character string again. It's... And you have to do it twice because you need to do it, mm -hmm. get the object, yeah, and then you need to go back. Uh, it's happening again. And once again, I think there, there's a problem with perspective and the, the, the way you, you move around. Uh, it, it's not shifting properly, you know, uh, when you turn or when you go back. Uh, it, it feels very incoherent. Mm. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. Because I, I didn't realize I could talk to Shazia to get the instructions through the maze. So I actually mm. started graphing it on graph paper. And you're right, like... You can't you can't do that because I would like run into a wall. Uh, the, the maze map did not make any sense um, <laughs> if you did try to graph it out. Uh, also, did you notice that you can ask Monk for directions and he just oh yeah I know the way let's go this way and it's oh no uh, I think we're, <laughs> and we're it's in a dead end here yeah. what happened <laughs> sorry I don't I don't know what happened it's crazy thanks Monk <laughs> yeah more typical Monk. Um, <laughs> All right, uh, let's go to question 10. So, so the maze contains the egg of destiny. Why does Eloy want this egg? Martine? Um, I don't remember why he wants it. I, it just makes sense, I guess, to give an egg to a sort of bird, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, they are dinosaurs. They all had eggs. He, he, he values it a, a lot. I remember that he, he values it a lot, and he's really happy, and he's all honored that, that you give it to him. And it's actually, I think... That there's a dispute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 because you can... It's, it's like up to you. Uh, do you want to give the egg or not? And you can discuss it with all the party members. And some say, oh, yeah, sure. And others say, well, I don't know. Maybe. I think Monk is strictly against it. Yeah, 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 yeah. of course. So that's how you know that you should do it. <laughs> <laughs> Anything that Monk wants to do, do the opposite. Yeah, exactly. But but I don't know why, What I don't know what Elo really Once with it, it's it's really important to their people. The, there is a specific reason. It's, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Who wants to Who wants to take this? Here, me, me, me. Florian, <laughs> Florian, Florian. Florian. So it um, turns out that one of Eloy's ancestors actually gave the egg to one of the ancestors of Adam, I think, and it ended up there. And uh, Eloy and his family got expelled from the um, pterodactyl. Uh, community over that and by bringing the egg back to the white arc he's actually sure he will be accepted back into the pterodactyl community that's that's right yeah him his family's been banished for eight generations because the, yeah his ancestor gave his egg to adam's grandfather also called the enslaver uh there's there's one interesting comment about eloy i really liked it that uh, that 
uh, some of the the cutscenes in the middle of the story bits where you can where Eloy is telling and then this happened and and then then we did all all this. You can tell it's sort of like it's old Eloy mm-hmm. telling a story to whatever kids or 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 uh, other people are. So you know, okay, it's it's a bit over the top uh, graphically. Is that you know what pterodactyls grow beards, but. but <laughs> But uh, it, it's still sort of sort of a fun little little turn as to that. Okay, Eloy is here and recalling all these this uh, old stories to whatever whoever wants to listen. Yeah, to that, that's a that's a typical yeah, cool. for for some kinds of movies, right? We have the narrator yeah. ex- uh, tell you the his own history or story, and that's that's pretty much what happens there. Yeah, but I, I like the little bits uh, with yeah. with Eloy sort of. Also, whenever whenever you see Eloy, old Eloy show up, you know, oh, I've just uh, progressed a bit in the story. Exactly. That too. It's very strange because when you think about it, the story of Lost Eden isn't that bad. It's actually pretty great. But it's when you start looking at the details uh, where everything starts falling apart. Even the writing is not very, isn't very good. Uh, we mentioned the part where, uh, where you learn your father is dead and Eloy basically appears out of nowhere and tells you, bad news, your favorite's dead. You know, no subtlety, no nothing like that. Yeah, the, the whole story tries to be dramatic, I feel. Like, they, they try to have these dramatic moments with Bill, like, oh, he's your sister. Oh, it's a woman. Oh, it's... But it's it's all... It falls flat for some reason. It doesn't really have any impact. I don't know. It's an interesting story told Clumsy, I would say. Well, also the father wasn't like the kindest and nicest person on the planet, so I didn't I didn't find him very sympathetic, to to be honest. Yeah, and and he changes his mind very easily. You know, he's like uh, for the very first minutes of the game, like you should never go out; uh, it's too dangerous. And after a short conversation, yes, we'll completely attack the tyrannosaurs and uh, we'll do war and things like that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, we're we're. In the home stretch here, um, question 11. So, um, that was a clip from uh, the ending, uh, pretty close to the end. Um, Before this, Adam is told to eat some poison root in order to die and talk to a dinosaur ghost who tells them what the power of the six tablets combined is. Esco, what is this power? Oh, goodness. I don't, it, it Probably something something reveals the true form of, of whatever, uh, whatever it, it's show, uh, shown to or, or something like that. I, th- th- this, this part was sort of like a blur. Like, <laughs> well, it was the last, what, <laughs> three minutes of the game? <laughs> For me as well. <laughs> I'm almost done with the game. Uh, yeah, you know, you're right. It sees through all illusions. So, um, Michael, what is the illusion of Marcus Rex? Marcus Rex is uh, actually a mouse. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I'm not sure when I saw uh, when I saw that sequence. I was not sure if it was a joke or something. You know? No, I, I think it's a message for for teenagers who play the game. Yeah, I, I also I also thought that that 
for a moment is, is that, I, wait, I'm turning him into the mouse with the power of this awesome cube. That's what I thought. But then later on, I, I read up about uh, all the, the, the tropes that, that are in this game. And then I sort of understand, ah, yes. But it's hilarious, you know, when you see it, when you look at the tablet and you can talk directly to Marcus Rex and he's, uh, you know, incredibly threatening and uh, he has very violent speech and it's all just a mouse. So uh, I really thought it was a joke and yeah. bad one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit like the Wizard of Oz, right? Like the the, the thing behind the curtain, like, uh, oh, it was all, it was not what it seemed. Yeah, I think it's a message for, for teenagers playing it. Like um, all the bullies that are pretending to be strong, they're really just pretending. And deep inside them, they're just fearful teenagers as well. So that's that's what I mm. thought the message of the game was. Yeah. yeah. That's beautiful. All right, you guys ready for the last one? Uh, what, what, one last thing, uh, unless that's probably the question, but we, we talked about the cube mouse pointer and um, it turns out those six parts of those six tablets, they actually each, two of those build a pair and when you look through one, you see the other and if you assemble them into a cube, that's the device that you use to defeat Marcus Rex. Um, and the mouse cursor actually changes, and then you cannot do anything else with it anymore except walk around and use it directly on Marcus. So uh, that's probably the whole reason they spend all the time implementing a 3D engine just for the mouse cursor. Definitely, definitely. You know, I thought my mouse cur- cursor glitched out. I was like, why? <laughs> I can't see anything any longer. Like, you can at least see arrows before, but... but- but the cube is is white or like gray, and then the the arrows were white. So I was like, I don't know what's going on anymore. I almost like quit and reload. But you're right. This is the very next screen. Um, <laughs> it's it's like you can't do anything anyways. So uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. The whole reason why the UI is with the cube is because of this ending scene. But also the at the moment when your cursor actually becomes its final state. The whole UI doesn't really work anymore. I think it's pretty cool. You see this cube the whole time, and it, in the end, it turns out this is a yeah. major plot point. And it feels powerful to to control this mm-hmm. powerful cursor. I don't know. It it felt like oh yeah, I have a careful now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have a, a powerful object, and I can you really. It, it didn't just feel like my my pointing device. Just a shame that the, the rotating cube is actually uh, annoying you uh, throughout the whole game because, you know, you, it rotates <laughs> yeah. slowly and it slowly reveals what it's going to do. Move forward, move backward, move... Uh, yeah. And uh, it's more of a pain sure. than anything else. But it's that's what the 90s were all about. Like this whole... <laughs> annoying the user. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why have a single icon when you can have something confusing that moves around, you know? Yeah. There was actually something when I when I looked it up after playing playing the game is is that there's something called Chekhov's gun, which basically say, says is that uh, an insignificant object that later turns out to be important, mm. and the mouse cursor in its all 3D animated rotating uh, very very slow uh, changing form is exactly that. Mm. Is is that it's something that seems insignificant normally because you could you could just do a little cursor that uh, changes changes form, but it had to be this 3D animated object that turns into the uh, 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 thing that completes yeah. the game. And, for and you. with Chekhov's gun, that's that's a great analogy because when what, the premise is that if you see a gun in the second act or you show it to the audience, like the audience 
knows it's going to go off in the third act. Like, so you, so you knew something was coming with this cube. Um, otherwise, why would have why would the cursor be a cube in the first place? Because it can showing off, showing off, <laughs> showing off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Um, yeah. Why don't uh, Why don't you take us to the home stretch here? that song it's like the the lost eden theme and and the credits music it's the game over music yeah (laughs) when Um, you get eaten by dinosaurs mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) yeah which i didn't know you could actually what it could actually happen but uh caught me off guard you can't actually die in this game twice i I died twice oh wait three times i died to morcus rex as well me too and i'm not sure if you played it on gog but each time i died uh i basically had to with the game, the game crashed. It was impossible to to reload the save oh. game, save game when uh, oh. when I died. Oh, it worked worked for me. Huh. I, I played it on on DOSBox staging rather than what's uh well, with the DOSBox version that comes with GOG. So I'm not sure. But I also had it when in the cases, for example, where there's a torch flickering and everything that really lagged it lagged out the game pretty badly. Yeah, that broke the sound for me each time. Yeah, same, same. <laughs> Yeah, so his final question is that um, Eloy asks you to open this Egg of Destiny. Uh, what does it contain and what is that? What is the significance of, of its whatever is inside of it? Um, Martin. I think the egg was empty, wasn't it? Yeah, what is that? What is the meaning or how is that interpreted? I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's sort of like you you think you need something but actually you don't need it and no no it, this this was one of the sort of the most important sort of things things in the the end story of the game okay i don't remember that's good uh it, yeah it's 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 the fact that the, uh, because it the con- it's supposed to contain what the future for the dinosaurs is and the future <sighs> for the dinosaurs is empty which means is that the dinosaurs will fade away out of existence and that the, uh-huh. the age of the dinosaurs is ending, and now uh, the age of humans is beginning. Right. That's right. Yeah, good job. Um, so uh, I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't really keep score, so uh, <laughs> we're going to have to figure out who, who won in post. But uh, for now, let's just say it was a four-way tie, and everyone did great. <laughs> <laughs> well, a good job on the quiz. I mean, that was a huge thing. Yeah, really cool. Oh, thank you. I had a lot of fun making it. I hope hope you enjoyed it as well. Awesome.
No, to Martin, we, we might have to force him to join every future episode. Just, just change the format of the show completely to a quiz show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, this was a good one for that format because it had a lot of good music and it was mostly a narrative, like story-driven game. Mm. So, um, yeah, I don't think this would work as well for like Syndicate. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. The, the, the music is really good, though. I mean... Every clip you had, just when it started playing, I was immediately thinking, oh, yeah, this is awesome. It's, it's really 90s style music, but it's really cool. It's, it's, yeah. It has a lot of atmosphere. I mean, you listen to it and you feel immediately like you are back in the Citadel. And yeah. I strongly encourage everyone to listen to, to the rest of, uh, of what Stefan Pick, the musician who did the game, uh, did. Uh, because hmm. uh, all of his music uh, is very, very great. You know, there is a Dune a Spice Opera, which is maybe the best soundtrack that was ever made for any game. Uh, hmm. And even uh, for... Uh, he made the music of a game called Riverworld. And uh, the hmm. game wasn't that great, but the music is, uh, is also fantastic. And uh, he did a couple of games like that, and then he completely vanished from the video game industry. Yeah, it's sad, but it's he does have when you click his name on on uh, Moby Games, he has a lot of music. So yeah, thanks John for this for this amazing quiz n- narrative journey uh, thing. Oh, you're welcome. I think we've covered like the entire game, haven't we? Well, at least the story. Yeah, but that is is <laughs> this is the game. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is the game. I mean, there's not really that much more. To it, or is there? I mean, what did we not talk about? Well, there's a tiny, tiny fragments here and there. Like we mentioned that you built, um, I think, six citadels, and in the end, you think there's a seventh you have to build, but then it turns out no, um, because there's actually a red herring, right? So you get another object of power that you give to the velociraptors, but it doesn't work. And it's the last object of power that you have. And you learned from the other six citadels or other six valleys. That the objects of power help the Velociraptors um, defeat the tyrants, but it doesn't work in the la- in the seventh place. And then there's just the probably the only real puzzle in the game is to figure out which instrument goes to which character <laughs> of the um, three powerful um, musical instruments that you need to defeat. The weapons of fear, yeah, yeah, yeah. That the 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 that the fact that I could switch instruments took me about three minutes to figure out, figure out is like, wait, what am I doing with all this stuff? And that, okay, this doesn't sound right. And then it's sort of like, okay, then, then I, then I switch it out. Oh, I can switch them out. And then, oh, this, this is how it works. Okay, great. Fine. Then it's, done. it's sort of a unique <laughs> moment. I, I, there's not a lot of games where you're suddenly a band leader <laughs> and you're handing out instruments. You say you play the trumpet and you play the drums. So that's, that's kind of cool moment. But yeah. Yeah. It's, I, did, I did like the fact that uh, very very early on you get a little object which you're lo- you use it on yourself and then you get sort of like an in-game hint system. Hmm. It sort of tells you, you should do this. Or that if the c- citadel is destroyed, build another one. It's like, okay, I'll build another one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can talk to almost all your party members for, for hints a lot of times. Yeah, did you guys use the the shell at all? Because that would give you hints too. Yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. I was using I was using the shell. Oh, okay, yeah. I, I needed it at the beginning. It's sort of like give her the amulet, and it's sort of like I don't have. An <laughs> it can amulet. be very confusing at times. <laughs> that that was that was one of the best hints. It's sort of like then r- wandering around, going back, talking to Monk again. It's sort of like here, have an amulet. It's sort of like 
Oh. Yeah, sometimes he, he tells you to ask a specific character for help, and that character doesn't say anything mm-hmm. useful, you yeah, know? Yeah, because you're not maybe in the, in the, the right spot or, or whatever else. Right, yes. It, it's, it's, it's not that great, but at least, at least it sort of pokes you in the right direction if, if you're... Uh, sometimes he just tells you to yeah. think harder. I think. It, it, <laughs> <laughs> it can be very, very confusing. Um, at the end of the game, I thought I had defeated the tyrants in the last valley, but there was actually one, one group of them left and I hadn't found it. So I, I, I thought I, I should get this um, Root of Eternity, or what the name is that the name? Yeah. The, the root that you have to eat to go to the land of the dead. And I, I knew I needed it, and I I um, knew I had to go to to Dina to get it. But I clicked on the on the um, on the shell, and it just told me, "Oh, use the use the powerful the the, the instruments." And I was like, "Hey, what? Why?" But I already did, and uh, very confusing. Yeah, but you, the thing is, is that because the game includes a little mini map in each of the valleys, you can actually see the objects or the the characters move around. So you can see that only if you have found them. If you if you haven't um, come across one of the groups of tyrannous tyrants, uh, uh, I think I did. I, I did see in the last valley. I could see the tyrants moving around, especially because huh. they got close to the citadel. Then they show up. Oh, maybe, maybe that's that's why. I think as well. Mm. Or then I visit the citadel and I get the local guy, and that person shows me where where the stuff is. But but uh, but yeah, you can you can sort of use that to navigate around and and, uh, and figure out where you where you're going. Uh, in the first valley, I had the problem is figuring out how do I get to the next valley because I needed to figure out that I had to first get to the overview map and then click somewhere in the sky to get back into the world map to actually go forward. And that was that didn't help. Yeah. I think that's the majority of the gameplay is just finding out <laughs> where to click and yeah. where to go next. And uh, yeah. also when, when you when you talk to to a party member and then you you think, okay, let's let's go back to the party overview screen and you click the button that you always click to go back to the overview screen. But this button in that location just makes your party member repeat what they just said. Yeah. So you first have to click somewhere else in the screen, no, no matter where, just not this one button um, to get out of the dialogue mode. And then you can use the button again to go back to the um, to whatever you were going to do. But that's so annoying. Yeah. Or, or if you went to the wrong place, uh-huh. Eloy would leave and then, and then you couldn't leave until he comes back. And it's it's a random amount of time until uh-huh. he comes back. It's so annoying. You just there for you just wanted to check, like like as I said, I, I had to check the whole map to see how far all my citadels are and what what stuff was missing missing. So I just needed to go there for three turns or something. And then Eloy just didn't return and he didn't return and didn't return. I was like I was wandering around the map aimlessly just to make time pass until Eloy finally yeah. returned. Well, one one thing that we should say is every time you enter a valley, the game autosaves. So uh, you, if you do end up being being eaten uh, in like a new valley, you do actually get to go back to the beginning of the valley and then you just have to find a mushroom and play the flute and do all the other mm-hmm. stuff that you did before. But then you have a little bit of an idea where you're going already. Yeah. And you can't really get stuck, can you? So... Actually, now that you mention it, I remember that uh, not this time, but during my last playthrough, uh, that was quite years ago, uh, I think I got stuck in a situation where I couldn't complete the game because I had given a, an item to to someone and couldn't get it back. So uh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, mm. It didn't happen uh, this time when I played it. But uh, no. but I think that there might be a couple of bugs here and there, you know, that 
that might get you stuck. Yeah, I think the design is that you can't get stuck, mm-hmm. but maybe there's a bug which still. But yeah, I, I mean, if he if he don't get back the wrong ob- object of power, like from Velociraptors, that will cause you to soft lock the game. Yeah, but it's not the intention. But but I had the experience that I gave the gave the wrong object, and then I got it back. So mm. not sure. Yeah, well, it, it, I feel it's not the intention of the game design to to be able to get you stuck. So I'm, I mean, the 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 most. Most problem that we had that most of us had is that we couldn't scroll the inventory right mm-hmm. <laughs> properly. It, In DOSBox, for example, that didn't work. I'm not sure if somebody played on real hardware. Oh, it w- worked for me. I, it, I played on DOSBox. It worked. It, worked perfectly fine. It wasn't that great. It, it. I had problems that it didn't always move. It no, it, it always worked for me, but sometimes it just moved uh, too fast. I think somebody sometimes it just, yeah. just crawled past some items, but then scrolling scrolling left for some reason was slower. So I don't know because sometimes I couldn't get to like the last item on the right. Yeah, that happened to me too, Esco. Like it would it would hide an item, and then you'd have to pick up the item on the far right, and then you could put it down and then grab the one you wanted because it was hidden for some reason. Yeah, I'm not sure if it had to do somehow with DOSBox's cycles or, or something else. And I found out you could do this almost by accident. You know, there is no indication uh, in the interface uh, that uh, there are other items that you can easily access or slide through. Well, if if you do think that it this this game, we have mentioned it, but it was also made for the 3DO and the CDI. Mm. If, if, you, mm-hmm. if you play it with keyboard, because that's possible, or you, you play it with a controller, like with a 3DO or a CDI, that would feel much more logical that you could, you're scrolling through your inventory yes. with, with the uh, uh, directional pad. Yeah. Yeah, this whole game really feels like it was designed for the CDI to me. It's, it's yeah, like everything, like how everything works is just very console-like. Uh, just... Yeah, it, it's a really different interface from most other adventure games on the PC, especially. So, um, yeah, the inventory sort of worked for me, but it scrolled super fast. So I don't know if that's like how it's supposed to work or I don't know. Anyway, maybe we should move on to to the next big thing, which is to talk about Cryo itself and, and a little bit of their history. They're quite a, an interesting company, I think. I think you also wrote some things down here, Michael, didn't you? Cryo was a very, very interesting company. In more than one way, I think they were actually much more, uh, a bit beyond their time. A lot of criticism they had in, uh, in, gaming, uh, in gaming magazines, but they were doing games with great graphics, but no gameplay. But if you think about it, uh, nowadays we have a lot of games which have a lot of atmosphere, a lot of story design and sometimes we call them working simulators and cryo was doing this already it was already apparent in dune it's much more apparent in their further games which are very uh, artistically uh, developed but the, the gameplay is often very very poor i think you can uh, root it back to the fact that some of the of the cryo founding members were uh, where artist Fabric, the boss of Cryo, started as a singer, then he did a, a software company almost by uh, by accident, and uh, he wa- he had the help of uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky, 
who was behind the first attempt of doing Dune uh, as a movie. And you can actually see hints of that in the Dune PC game. It was all a very, very strange company that uh, uh, in one of his first interviews, Philippe Eric said that he actually believed that video games could be art. And that was in the 80s. And uh, you, you see that through, uh, throughout the entire production of Creo. But, you know, a lot of their games had problems eventually. Yeah, exactly. But it's cool, this artistic way of, of approaching games, especially in the 80s. That's quite innovative and quite a novel way of looking at things. Yes, but people were not very receptive to that uh, already. No. So no. it was their loss. Yeah. Um, I found that Cryo was uh, founded in 1989 by Philip Ulrich, Remy Herbulot, or Herbulot, I don't know. Herbulot, I think. And uh, Jean-Marcel Lefranc. Um, the last person did not actually work on Lost Eden, but the first two, Philip Ulrich and Remy Herbulot, they did work on this game. It was started in a bit of a, a vague way because I think that these people were already working at another gaming company in France called uh, RER of uh, ERE I mean <laughs> ERE Informatique or yes uh, basically I mean Informatique era hmm. uh, I think it was just the, the former name of uh, of Cryo the, the abandoned era Informatique and they, they started Cryo they're basically the same people with another name. Exactly. But I, I think it's split off from them because Air Informatique still existed for a while. So I'm not exactly sure what happened. But Air Informatique had a had a label called Exos, which was yes. like their super arty uh, label, right? Like their most hmm? prestigious games were released under the Exos name. In 1988, they released Captain Blood, which... I think that's sort of the origin of Cryo. Is, yeah, it's a fantastic game. Everyone should try it. You know, it's a what type of game is it? It's an adventure game, uh, but it's also very strange and very surreal. You're basically in a in a spaceship, and you have to find to find the five clones of yourself, or else you are going to die. And uh, the idea is that you land on a planet, and you uh, when uh, when you land in the planet, the landing sequence is done through. Uh, some kind of pseudo 3D, uh, which is already very impressive for the era. And once you have successfully landed, you, un- you enter the actual uh, interesting phase of the game is uh, its dialogues, uh, dialogues with alien characters who each have their own personality quirks, you know. And uh, you talk to them by making up sentences through icons. For example, uh, you, you make uh, you make sentences that says. Uh, uh, me blood, me friend, uh, me want to know uh, where clones are. And you do this by clicking on icons and from sentences. And uh, they reply to you uh, with uh, with the same icons. And you have to find a way uh, of how to properly communicate with them and uh, not to offend them. And uh, it's very interesting. That sounds pretty awesome. You should add that to our, uh, like, suggestion less to play someday yeah however it's it's also very hard and very obscure to complete but uh yeah fr- frankly it's one of the strangest games that, <laughs> uh, that i've ever played and uh it's it's still quite interesting and i think nothing like it was ever made again huh 
Well, that's something we should definitely look at sometime. Um, Air Informatique was was one of France's oldest video game developers, yes. I think. Uh, they were founded in 83. Um, so they were around for a, for a good while. But I read that in 1986, they got into financial trouble and they were eventually bought by Infogrames. Yeah. Um, they're the ones who developed Alone in the Dark, I think. Yes, they were. They were also basically a, a publisher, but much more mm. than, a, than a developer. Uh, yeah. But it's a familiar story. I think Cryo got bought again uh, after a while, too. Hmm. So I I think it's this the the fact they got into the financial trouble and and they were uh into business with infogrames. I think that's the real reason why uh some of the people left Air Informatique and they formed Cryo. So mm. um yeah, I think that's what happened. It was sort of unofficial in a way for a few years. They just called themselves Cryo without actually being a company. Eventually, they did incorporate in 1992, but by that point, they had already released multiple games. So that's uh, an interesting way to go about it. Their most famous game is probably Dune, right? Yes. Which is one of their earliest ones. That was released in 92. Probably their best game, too. Yeah, exactly. It's like the the model on which all of the other games were based but then it's it's also it's also fairly brutal compared to lost eden is that you, you can lose the game due to taxes <laughs> <laughs> well maybe maybe that's what's happened i mean june was really good but also really difficult so maybe they were looking for things to you know make it more playable and tone it down but in that process sort of lost all the gameplay i don't know maybe maybe that's their thinking some other games they released are kgb also known as conspiracy uh they released a game called mega race released a game called commander blood which i guess has something to do with captain blood uh it's uh it's sort of a sequel and reboot to captain blood uh it has the same universe but it a completely different atmosphere. It's much more funnier, uh, much more centered in comedy. Uh, and uh, again, it's uh, another game where most of the gameplay ideas were scrapped at the last minute. Mm. Uh, there was a strategy game uh, element in uh, Commander Blood that never made it inside the final game. And uh, they were planning to have uh, you know, the, the icon-based dialogues back. And instead, they replaced it with a system of keywords. So it's a game I remember. Uh, I wanted to to buy it, but I uh, uh, I didn't have enough money back then to to get the game. I was just a kid, you know. And uh, I got the game for free in a in a gaming magazine uh, quite a few years after it was out, and I was very excited to play it. And I completed it in one afternoon. I was. Uh, I was very disappointed, but at the same time, it's still one of the funniest games uh, I have ever played. So, And at least, yeah, at least you didn't pay a lot of money. No, I think it's actually a much better game than Lost Eden because uh, Lost uh, Eden takes itself very seriously. Uh, mm. Commander Blood uh, is, uh, it, it feels just like a big joke, but it's actually funny. Hmm. 
Okay, yeah. that's cool. I, I remember Mega Race very well because I probably bought it from a bargain bin where you just had the loose CD for almost no money. And it was basically, it was a great looking racing game, which was really sort of mediocre in the end. Yeah, Mega Race is just, <laughs> it's actually just a FMV of, uh, of a track, of a racing track, you know. And the faster you yeah. go, the faster the FMV goes. And the, yeah, the, the, car, the car sort of stays in, in, in the middle and the FMV just plays in the background mm-hmm. and just sort of moves around. It, 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 in, in retrospect now, it felt more like a tech demo, that, again, than, yeah. than actually uh, a proper game because it was really, it was so badly on rails that it wasn't even funny anymore. And actually about Mega Race, uh, they, they, uh, they actually tried to do a third game recently. Yeah, they did. No, a third game. It was or a fourth game, maybe, uh, because I quite remember that you know, Mega Race has an actor. Uh, it's supposed to be like a TV show or something like that. Yeah, and uh, they teased a, a reboot of Mega Race very recently, and it just never happened. Mm. So uh, I, I'm not sure what went on or something like that. Uh, even uh, I, I was in a, a conference uh, at, uh, at Paris Games Week uh, with quite. I think 10 years ago. And uh, Philip Rich was there. And he also said he wanted to do one final game, but, uh, you know, it just never happened. Yeah, there were three Mega Race games. I remember there being at least the uh, yeah. number two, but I never played number three. But, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's not a really good format for a game. It's not worth it. <laughs> but it was impressive, you know. <laughs> it, 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 was te- it was technically impressive. Well, that's the story of Cryo, isn't it? That's, that's really their style. It, you know, it looks impressive, doesn't really work. Uh, at least they tried something different. I mean, I've played maybe 60 hours of Mega Race, but that's still, it's, <laughs> it's, just more, it's just more the fact is that because playing it from one end to the other is like five hours or something of, because of, uh, every time you Pa- you have to pass each car individually one at a time so it's very tedious yeah the, the other <laughs> cars didn't exist on the track yeah, before yeah. you had actually uh, destroyed uh, the car in front of you it was yeah, a yeah. very strange game yeah <laughs> um, by the mid 90s Cryo was pretty big um, they made PlayStation games at that point uh, the Atlanta series is one thing they, they kept going um, I remember Time Cop being a game they they made. Um, I think this is when they also branched out into America and stuff. I think their most interesting game from the time uh, was a a thing called uh, Le Deuxième Monde, which means the second world. And that thing was actually Second Life, maybe 10 or 15 years before Second Life came around, you know. Hmm. It was a... Played online and you could buy a place, move around, interact with other people. There were plans so that uh, shops could be uh, inside the game and you could actually buy things in it. But you know, it was much, it was far too early for things like that. Yeah, exactly. They even started a whole company for this, Cryo Networks, which was supposed to be an online, like, this is really early for this stuff, you know, 97, I think they started doing this. yeah, still really always pushing the envelope, which I think that's that's uh, always commendable. You know, that's cool. They started to make lots of games by by the mid nineties, late nineties, especially uh, Dreams to Reality, Pax Corpus was sort of a big one. 
Riverworld, lots of games, really. And eventually they got into a deal with Dark Horse Comics to make licensed games based on, well, their comics, I suppose. Uh, Hellboy is one of the the big names they they were trying. Um, I think around this time, things also sort of fell apart for them, right? So this is the, the early 2000s. Um, they were in a deal with the Canadian publisher, Dreamcatcher. Um, and they were trying to make another Dune game, actually. They were trying to make a, a game called Frank Herbert's Dune. They did it. I think it's a final game. Yeah, they actually did release it. Um, and at the time, I read there was also a, a sci-fi channel miniseries. So... Yeah, I think yeah, I think it was a big reboot of the whole June thing. And I think uh, I seem to remember they were trying also to do a, a June uh, MMORPG, mm. which was some kind of, uh, of a strategy game, but that ne- they never got it off the ground. Mm. Uh, there was also a, a June uh, for game for the Game Boy Advance that uh, uh, that was in development, and uh, you can find some videos of it on YouTube. So it went pretty far. Uh, around development and it was actually quite impressive technically but uh, once again it never came out and uh, uh, their final June game was was absolutely atrocious. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's the problem, wasn't it? They spent a lot of money on this new June game and it was just not very good and it was a huge flop and I think that's what, what made them go bankrupt. At least... The cryo name got, I don't know if, if they just dropped the name or sold it or because Dreamcatcher did go on for a while. And I think they owned all of cryo's IP or whatever. But well, this is really sort of the end of the real cryo. Because if you look at, for example, uh, Philip Ulrich or, or Remy Herbulo or these people that were all there, like they're... Um, their list of games all stops around this time. So around 2002, that's when they just stopped making games, releasing games. So, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it, it's still very sad because even at, uh, after they left, uh, they had some pretty nice ideas, you know. Uh, for example, they made games of... Uh, there was a game that was set in uh, the Versailles Castle. Uh, that they made that was very popular in France because uh, uh, not only because it was Versailles, but it, it was both a game and something that could be seen as uh, educational. Hmm. Uh, they made uh, a game called Ring, uh, which is uh, something uh, based on the on uh, you know Richard Wagner, uh, the Ring of Nibelungen. Uh, they actually. What I really liked about Creo is that they really took uh, inspiration in uh, in some original places for video games and they tried to make actual games out of this. Mm. But the execution always ended up, uh, you know, kind of terrible. (laughs) I I remember Dreams to Reality especially because uh, uh, I got it uh, once again for, for, for very cheap and uh, the game is uh, gameplay-wise and uh, visually-wise, artistically-wise, uh, very interesting. But it crashes all the time. Mm. It's almost unplayable. 
and uh, it completely ruins the experience, you know. And yeah. it's the same, pretty much the same with uh, with all of uh, of the late era cryo games, even the even Dune, which is a uh, Basically, uh, some kind of Metal Gear Solid game set in the Dune universe, uh, which is a strange idea. Uh, it, the, the idea is not bad. It's just the execution. But, uh, yeah. That's terrible. Um, so, yeah, after 2002, there's not a whole lot these people made. Although I, I want to say one little thing. Uh, Jean, Jean-Marcel Lefranc, one of the founders, uh, he actually made a game in 2009 about Mozart. <laughs> so it's called Mozart, the Conspirators of Prague. And I think you actually play as Mozart, which I don't know, that's kind of a cool, bizarre... Well, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of games where you play like <laughs> a, a classical composer. So yeah, that seems like a cool thing. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if they have, if they have been involved with the game industry since, I mean, they've tried probably some to, to reboot some things, but I don't think none of this really panned out, did it? Yeah. The the current rights of Lost Eden are with Interplay. So there's some kind of weird IP running around thing. Uh, So if you look up the game on Steam, you can see that the, the, owner or the publisher's interplay now. So mm-hmm. they didn't go the way of, of Dreamcatcher, which is owned by THQ Nordic. Mm-hmm. So it's it's weird that the IPs have gone interesting ways. Yeah, I think it's a series of bankruptcies and people buying a whole lot of IPs for, for cheap. And yeah, it's all it's all over the place now. So yeah, that's Cryo. In a nutshell, very interesting company. They made some games. <laughs> some of they're interesting to look at. They're just just trying interesting stuff, and that's always well. That's that's in part what this whole DOS game club thing is about. I feel is just seeing interesting ideas and and well, yeah, just doing trying different things. So I really appreciate that in them. What is there? More to talk about because we've covered a lot. I mean, it wasn't really our typical format, but we have mentioned a lot of things about this game. Maybe it's interesting to to look at some of the reviews. Do we have some of those? Yes. Um, like always, I've done um, the least effort way to find out about reviews and <laughs> just open Moby games. Um, surprisingly, though, the game had ratings that were... I, I think we've never had a game that has ranges, uh, that has that's such a wide range of, of, of ratings. So um, High Score Magazine from Sweden gave it 100 out of 100. Wow. The perfect game. Yes, with the, um, <laughs> the perfect game. Um, and it actually says, it's an incredible feeling to glide across the landscape on the back of a pterodactyl and just enjoy participating in the action, which, to be honest, is something you never do in the game. You never participate. <laughs> you just glide. There's a, there's a short video, yeah, there's, there's a short video clip of you uh, or of the group riding pterodactyl backs, but that's all there is. There's multiple short videos of that, actually, but yeah. True, yes. <laughs> um, actually, though, um, it takes like, I don't know, 80% of the game until Eloy gets the br- brilliant idea to actually use um, or carry people around. 
why didn't he do that to get them into the valley of despair? That would have saved uh, lots of lots and lots of trouble. Yeah, it's it's like Lord of the Rings, isn't it? It's like, oh, there's these guys who can fly us around. Now you tell us. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Very weird. Um, and another one, there's, there's a 90 out of 100 review from Coming Soon magazine, um, which gives it 90 out of 100 with the following um, reasoning. Although Lost Eden, Eden has wonderful animations, remarkable graphics, and an out-of-this-world sound- soundtrack, it fails to keep your interest. <laughs> and, and still gives it a 90. Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Wow. Yeah, I think it's easy to forget, you know, how uh, easily we could be impressed by graphics mm. at that time. And, uh, you know, st- story-wise, now it feels absolutely awful. But back then, I'm not sure there were many great stories in games. We, we remember Monkey Islands and, uh, and uh, the Sierra games and things like that. But mo- most of the games, the storylines was not very good. And... Uh, and Lost Eden fit fit, uh, fit nicely among that. Yeah, that also comes forward when you look at the magazine scans that Richard posted on the forums. Um, there's scans from, let's see, what magazines? CD-ROM Today is one. And another one is PC Format, which has a, a pretty big story, actually. It's like five pages or something. So that's... PC Review, oh, that a PC Review actually has the five-page thing. PC Home also has a, he scanned in one, who gives it an 85, by the way. So they're really impressed by this. But yeah, everything in these reviews is about the graphics. And it's just really apparent that they're just yeah. showing off how impressive the PC in a multimedia age has become. On the other hand, there is also 20%. Um, reviews. <laughs> okay, so it's really all over the place. There's, I, I don't think there's any number between twenty and one hundred that isn't present. So. <laughs> I feel like there was very high praise for the soundtrack back then, but but then for everything else, it's sort of a mixed bag of uh, there is no gameplay and oh mm. look at that. Yeah, there's actually a, a kind of modern review from 2011. Um, it's in Norwegian, but uh, it also gave the game 100 out of 100. And when you read it in Google Translate or something, it's full of praise. Every every paragraph is just praise for the game. Wow. What would you guess the the overall rating is on good old games? 2.5. Pro- probably about three and a half. It's it's four four point five. 4.4, sorry. So, yeah, I mean... Probably the people who buy it on, on, on Gawk know what they're buying and they play it out of nostalgia and then they give it five stars and maybe maybe yeah a couple of them buy it because it looks cool and they say, yeah, this is not a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and they give it one star and then it averages out at 4.5. That's true, yeah. But um, yeah, there's a lot of comments um, in those reviews about the soundtrack and how at the time it had great graphics. So that's pretty interesting to go back and read some of these reviews just from like last year. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm looking at one of the, the Richard scans from PC Zone and, and they summarize it pretty well, I feel, because they only give the game a 6.5, but they also really praise the game for its storytelling and its graphics. But they end with, by saying, if you're looking for a challenging adventure, this most definitely is not it. If you appreciate superb storytelling supported by awesome graphics, you may get a couple of days entertainment out of this. 
but that's as far as it goes. The choice is yours. So fair. Yeah. I think that's sort of a fair review, right? It's yeah. What do you make of this? I mean, it's interesting and it's 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 fun to look at it now, but I I think at the time, if you paid big money for this, then might have been a bit disappointing. I don't know. I'm not sure about that. I think you'd be pretty thrilled. I mean, when we were talking about GOG reviews, I checked the, the GOG reviews for Mega Race, uh, which is an absolutely appalling game and it's absolutely impossible to defend. Huh. And the reviews on GOG are pretty good. So once again, you know, it's just nostalgia talking. And I very pretty much remember loving Mega mm-hmm. Race when uh, when it came out, however bad it was. I think it's the same, you know, for Lost and End Games from that era, you know. You, you kind of forget uh, how impressed you were by the graphics. And uh, it, it's quite uh, atmospheric and uh, you, you're pretty much pulled inside the, the game world. And uh, it works in that fashion. And it was quite novel for, the, for that era. Mm. Uh, it's just absolutely impossible to defend nowadays. As uh, I said earlier, I think if I had had that game when I was 10 years old, I would really have loved it. Um, it had all... Uh, I mean, it, it had dinosaurs, at the, as, we, as we said. And I think also this this repetitive part that you do the same thing over and over. I think that's really, really good for, I don't know, eight to 10 year olds or something like that. Because it's, it's really not hard. Uh, and you, you, you can make progress even if you're maybe not really good at adventure games, which probably most eight year olds aren't. So you're, you have, you have guaranteed progress in this game. And that's, that's something to feel good about, if, especially if you aren't so familiar with yeah. games when you're young. So. And, and if you're sort of younger and, and say you only have like one hour of computer time mm-hmm. every evening, this would this would take you a good few weeks to go through because, I mean, as old as old as I am now, it took me between five to six hours to complete the game from scratch. So it, it's not, you know, a large game by by any standard. But but if if you were going to have it in like uh, one hour bits, it would it would take you a good time, especially younger when you're not exactly mm-hmm. sure what you're doing and why you're doing. It does have some have some dark undertones and everything, which might be a bit scary for somebody uh, under 10, but yeah. still. Yeah, I think it works great as a kid's game. Yeah, I think I agree that if I had to spend like $50 of my own 1990 money on this, like I might feel cheated. But as a kid, you're you're spending $50 of your parents' money <laughs> too. So uh, yeah, that I, yeah, I think maybe as a kid, it probably doesn't bother you that much if it's, it's short. And kids like replaying things too. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I played Super Mario World the first five levels over and over again uh, for years, I think. So it doesn't really matter if the game doesn't have that much content when you're young. So if you want to buy this game now, I mean, we've mentioned GOG. Um, I think it's also on Steam, right? Yeah, it's also on Steam. So you can just go ahead and buy this game if you want to. Yeah. The, the, the great part of buying digitally is that it has all the different language versions. So you can buy the, buy the same game and you can get the English, the German and the French versions. The subtitles, I think, are probably all in the all in the same versions. But for physical copies, as as Michael and, and uh, Florian know, is that you get one version and that's mm. it. Exactly. Though they are not very expensive. So for collectors, 
that's a good that's a good game. I think I paid something like twenty bucks for mine. So yeah, yeah. Uh, there's you can you can buy a jewel case just with the CD for about the same price that you can get it digitally. Uh, you can get the white label release. Uh, so because it was released by Virgin Interactive, they had these white label releases, and it's about the same price as well. And then the boxed original goes between fifteen and fifty dollars. So it's cheap. Yeah, it's a, a good collector starting game. Yeah, nice. Which probably means it's sold. It must have sold okay if there are so many boxes easily available. I think this game is more obscure now than it was then. I think it was back then. Yeah. It was all over the magazines, and it was pretty hyped. I, I'd say. So, yeah, it's odd how it goes. I'm not sure how big of a of a like marketing hype they worked at Cryo Interactive to get this uh, out to all the reviewers and to get big spreads in the magazines about it. Of course, it looked fantastic. So if you put this on your magazine cover, you're going to get magazine mm-hmm. sold. You put this the screenshots in your magazine, you're going to get this yeah. sold. And it was displayed, you know, in pretty much every computer store, at least where I was. Yeah. So the, the, the game the game basically sold itself. This way, you know. Yeah, in in France, this would be, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, matter of matter of national pride, <laughs> kind of thing. But this, the, so so from that aspect, you could you could sort of think that okay, this looks fantastic, and it's about dinosaurs. <laughs> I love dinosaurs. I've watched Jurassic Park on my VHS tape uh, until it's worn out. I want more dinosaurs. Yeah, you know, <laughs> there's uh, what thirteen year, ten year old Florian talking talking about the game <laughs> is is that I want dinosaurs, and then honestly, I want dino. I want dinosaurs now. I want. Why aren't there not more dinosaur <laughs> games? Yeah, this is a super cool subject, but there's not a whole lot of them. Hasn't it been the Two Rock remaster or something? Yeah, yeah, that was a couple of years ago, but that's a remaster. That doesn't count. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we've discussed a lot about the game. Did we miss anything? Did we not? I, I want to talk one thing that was very surprising for me. I went back and looked at the voice actors. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you had a thing about the voice acting. A lot of the voice actors had Dune or this game as their first ever game that they worked on. Huh. And a lot of them went on to do lots and lots and lots of other games. There's uh, the very, the best example that I could find is Karen Strassman, who played Eve in Lost Eden. She has a list of voice acting on Wikipedia that's longer than your arm. <laughs> and this includes anime dubs. This includes video games. There's recent titles like uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake. There's Wasteland 4. There's uh, various, you know, works uh, in... There's uh, direct-to-video television films. There's animations. She's been uh, somebody in uh, Winx Club and uh, and all that. So this is this was like a launching point of of some people's uh, careers into voice acting. Huh. Wow! And that's sort of really really interesting that that actually happened. And this is somebody who. Uh, but a few, a few of them even went into the two thousands, uh, you know, doing more voice acting and did ten tens of games and mm-hmm. and other things. So uh, when we consider voice actors for like uh, Day of the Tentacle or Go Back to Loom, do you remember them? Have they done a lot of games afterwards? Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> 
honestly. Yeah, yeah. These I'm I'm clicking around on Moby Games now, and if you just click on a random voice actor, then Lost Eden is almost always among the first games. But then it just goes on into you know Fallout Four or Dishonored or all sorts of Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, yeah, even if it's just auxiliary additional voices somewhere, it's still yeah a lot yeah. There's, I think, one or two that, that that did two games, and that was it. And they were probably both cryo interactive mm. games, but still, it's it's sort of very funny that that there's these people that ended up being some of the biggest names in voice acting. Yeah, so it's it's cool that cryo worked as a platform for these careers of these people. I'm reading on uh, on Moby Games right now. They mentioned that the dialogues were rewritten. Uh, at least I think for the English version, to fit the existing lip sync. Uh, but the author, James Follett, was never credited oh. for the work. And it seems incredible that, that they took this attention to detail and fit the lip sync and mm-hmm. that era, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The English version, I couldn't have told that it was originally written for a different language. It looked pretty synced up. Yeah, well, I don't think it had very many FPS to move the lips on, but it's still, <laughs> it's still, and and of course, the the interesting detail is is that uh, Steve Jackson was helping with the writing, not the RPG guy, but the guy who founded Games Workshop and founded Lionhead Studios with Peter Molyneux. As yeah, well. that's the British Steve Jackson, right? Yeah, that's the British game designer Steve Jackson, or game author steam jackson not the u.s role-playing game author steve jackson and it doesn't help that there's two of them (laughs) yeah they must get each other's mail all the time yeah actually i googled (laughs) this before the show and the first hit on steve jackson lost eden that i found was a post on the on the american steve jackson fan forum about this game and oh what did steve do on this game and the first comment was like not this steve jackson so (laughs) (laughs) yeah oh yeah that's funny right so yeah what did we think florian i want to start with you because it was your suggestion yeah so was the game anything Um, like what you thought it was going to be I didn't really have an image of it in my mind, I think, because I never played a lot of it when I was young. Only just a few, I don't know, a few quarter hours or so. But um, despite all the things that we mentioned and all the things that are terrible about it, and there are lots of things in the game that are terrible, but I still kind of enjoyed playing it for some reason. Mm-hmm. You, you just started and, and it's just it just streams along and you, you, do, you do your stuff and you don't have to put in a lot of effort and... I don't know. It's a, it's a good game for a lazy afternoon. Maybe have a drink or something. It's, I don't know. It's it's that kind of game. Um, yeah, the, the storytelling, well, it's, it's not great storytelling, but I don't know. Some, something about the game just kept me entertained enough to actually play through. Yeah. It's it's hard to really recommend it, but... Yes, it's it's not a good game. It's really not a good game, but it it kept yeah. me entertained somehow. Michael, what do you think? Uh, well, I remember uh, when I played it the first time, I was disappointed. So when uh, uh, I knew I was on the podcast, you know, I tried replaying it and I was disappointed again. <laughs> it was, how can I say, it was even worse the second time, you know. Uh, but uh, yes, it still has something, you know, graphically wise, atmospheric wise. Uh, it's just... Uh, 
if you if you want to look into the cryo production, it's maybe not the best mm. game to start. Uh, I, I would recommend more to look into Dune yeah. or Commander Blood. Uh, maybe play this one if you really like the dinosaurs or something, <laughs> you know, because uh, uh, b- besides the music and the atmosphere of the game, it doesn't have many redeeming qualities. Right. Esco, what did you think? Uh, it, I think it did okay. It's not really an adventure game as, as the way that I'd see it. it. It does have the major flaws in the in the uh, user interface. It, the, the main issue I have with it, it has no replayability. Hmm. Every uh, because you don't go back for the great dialogue. You don't go back for the for the fun puzzles that might be uh, interesting to watch with somebody else. You don't go back. Okay, you might go back for the dinosaur animations, but then you might as well you know look up something else in, in that in that aspect. So it it really it it's sort of like you experience it once and then you're done. Mm. You, you really don't need to touch it ever again. <laughs> Yeah. Except for in the context of playing it for 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 a DOS DOS gaming uh, club. Yeah. But that that's about it. Yeah. And that's that's the gist of the game. It's it's it doesn't have anything that's that it has memorable moments. It has memorable bits, but it doesn't have anything that would drive you back to the game. Mm. If you want to listen to the star soundtrack, hope that it's on YouTube or Probably. figure out how to. Take it out. Take it out of the uh, original game files mm. instead of actually, you know, going through and playing the game again. Yeah. Now thinking of it, it's something that we've said about some or at least one other French game. is It is a deeply flawed game, but it's also somehow very charming. And that that sums it up for me. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's very it's very much that. I, I mean, I remember the frustration with it. I. I uh, when I played it for the first time and I died to the uh, t- tyrant, I sort of rage quit out for the first time, <laughs> left it until tomorrow, then went in again, and and then it's sort of like, okay, I'm just going to do this and figure out and not, not be stupid and and stand there and wonder, hey, are these guys friendly? Then they eat you. Uh, so it it uh, the, the music tells you that they're not. Yeah, I wasn't exactly sure sure on that matter. It's sort of like I'm looking out for the velociraptors. Are these the velociraptors? <laughs> I also thought they were the Velociraptors. Look at them. Are those yeah. the raptors or are those the tyrants? Hmm. Yeah. And then you wait if they yeah. eat you or not. Yeah. And then you notice that they're the ones with the big, sharp, pointy mm-hmm. teeth. And nope, they're not the ones with the big, sharp, pointy <laughs> teeth. The Velociraptors keep their mouth closed. <laughs> but 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 in 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 that aspect, it's is that this this is sort of a game that you have to experience for the first time with alone or for the first time with a bunch of people it's it's not really something that okay uh, you go with somebody who's played this before because then it's there's no point anymore hmm. unless they happen to come with a map of the maze so you don't have to go back and forth in the inventory because <laughs> or the the character display because that was that was horrible uh, what did you think john i want to hear some positive vibes to end this off with yeah um well i i do have positive vibes for you um I I was thoroughly charmed by this game. Uh, it helped that I didn't have any expectations. Um, this is the type of game that I'm really glad that uh, the the DOS Game Club gives me an opportunity to even be aware of and and an excuse for playing um, because it's something that I wouldn't have discovered otherwise, um, and. It's it was short. Um, the music 
was charming uh and i i just enjoyed my time with it so yeah I, it's not something i would recommend to someone on the street to go try but it's <laughs> uh, it's uh, yeah i i, I had uh, i had a great time uh with it so um yeah good good yeah. suggestion florian this is like perfect little game to to play for a month and then talk about yeah it's also got charm you know if you like uh, early 3d and early cgi uh, which is why I liked the, the Citadel bit, the early bit so much. Uh, it's got this very strange aesthetic, which is, uh, uh, which, you know, can, can be quite interesting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this, it's odd. This game does so many things right. I mean, it has yes. super nice graphics and, and voice acting and somewhat compelling story, a very nice setting. And, it checks a lot of boxes, and it's got so much potential, really. It's the puzzle design, really. <laughs> Which puzzle design? It really is the puzzle design that makes it fall completely apart. Yeah, so it's such a shame. I, I feel if they've got some little bit more interesting content, then this would be a classic game. But mm. it's just, yeah, not there. Oh, well. Oh, well, we, we gave it a try, and it's, well, it's an interesting game to look at. So that's, that's worth something. Right. Uh, I think that's Lost Eden. That's it. So yeah, that's Lost Eden. Um, is there some club stuff to end this with, Florian? No. Okay, well, that's the end. <laughs> <laughs> There's always club stuff. There's always club what, stuff. What kind of question is that? Oh. Um, so um, at the moment, it's um, mid of May right now, and currently we're playing Syndicate. Yes. Big title, um, big game. Um, I hope we will have a very good, very cool episode next month about that. That's the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, there will be the third game for the year of the adventure game, which will be um, Simon the Sorcerer. Oh dear. A game that, is, that has a reputation of being overly hard mm-hmm. and using lots and lots of moon logic. We'll see where, where that leads us. And in July, there will be The Lost Vikings. Yeah. And I always thought The Lost Vikings is also uh, an adventure game, but it's not. No. 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 <laughs> so. Puzzle platform, maybe? Yeah. It, it's, I've it's, never played it's a, it. It's a, it's a puzzler game from Blizzard. So. Cool. It, it's been two years since we played Blackthorn, so it's another Blizzard game. Yeah, it's time for another one. So. Yeah, should be interesting to look at that. Yep. Um, if you're interested in this DOS Game Club stuff, you can head over to our website on dosgameclub.com. Which is running on a completely new server, thanks yeah, to Florian. Yeah, new and so faster now. Should Ooh. be faster. Yeah, the old server was was actually falling apart, and we had to rate rate limit um, the downloads because yeah. um, whenever we released a new episode, um, the server would just break apart. Exactly. So now we're running on real hardware. Let's see that that should work better. Yeah, full full speed downloading. So that's awesome. Um, we have a a forum where we discuss the games and you can also suggest games there. So uh, we have a new introduction forum as well. So if you're new, come say hi there and and then we'll say hello. And then that's the way to introduce yourself to the club. Yeah, it was actually an idea from a new user, um, Gnome, who Mm. joined us, who found us on Afternet on, on the IRC. And he just said, hey, you know, I was looking for, for an introduction forum, but there wasn't one else. I thought, oh, yeah, well, sure. Uh, yeah. I'll add one. It's a good guess. idea. And then, yeah. So um, that's, that's the forum. Uh, the chat room also on Afternet called DOS Game Club as well. So we, you can go hang out there and 
there's almost always, yeah, almost always someone. Well, almost. Well, almost there's yeah. always someone. <laughs> exactly. Another thing you can do to participate is to send a voice message. You can send them to club at dosgameclub.com and then we'll add it into the show. Uh, this one, this episode, we had one from Bjorn. So thanks for that. And last but not least, we're on Twitter, also called DOS Game Club. You can follow us there and we tweet about DOS game stuff. So yeah, that's what we do. Um, if you like this, then please leave a review or a rating in your podcasting app, if that's possible. Uh, it's always fun for us to read these comments and, and see the little things people have to say. So, And it helps to, to suggest the show to other people, right? So yeah, it's just super helpful. That's all I think for us now. So thanks a lot for, for joining and, and talking about the game. Yeah, and a special thanks for the quiz. Yes. Thanks, John. Yes. Super nice episode. Oh, thank you. And we, ex- we expect the quiz every episode. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but super, super uh, good effort. So, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Right. Yeah, uh, thanks. And, and see you all later, right? So, bye. Yep. Yeah, take care. Bye. 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 bye.